What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast, and our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And I got to stop for a minute and, and let people know this is our 100th episode today, Jason. We didn't even tell our guests that, that we they were our 100th uh guest yeah 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 that's crazy 100 episodes i can't believe that we've made it to 100 and still have a lot of gas in the tank so um it's been fun man what a what a project i would have never imagined you know when jason or when jared suggested this idea and he said you guys can't think in terms of three or four episodes we got to think long term we got to think a year we got to think a hundred episodes maybe we should maybe we should text jared after we get done here and go you said we couldn't do it up your butt we did a hundred episodes we did it we finally did it i wore out three chairs and i can't feel my ass but we did it (laughs) right exactly well congratulations to us if i say so myself on a hundred episodes yeah and what what uh what better way to market than with the guest we have today uh we've got todd latore singer for queensryche and uh, not only is he a fantastic singer, as everyone knows, but uh, turned out I really, really enjoyed the conversation with this guy. Uh, you know, we like to we like to remind people when we do the show that just relax, man. This is an interrogation. We're just going to chill and talk like we're a couple guys at a backyard barbecue. And that's exactly what we got today with Todd. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. And I got to say, too, that, you know, I, I failed to mention this in our discussion because we were just kind of, you know, riffing off each other and going with the flow. But I remember, um, you know, everybody remembers this. The first time you heard Rob Halford, you went, oh, my God, how does anybody sing like that? He is the greatest singer in heavy metal history. No one will ever touch that. And then you heard Bruce Dickinson and you went, oh, my God, there's actually somebody that can compete with Rob Halford. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> And then you heard Jeff Tate sing Queen of the Reich, and your mind was blown. You were just like, I didn't think it could get any better than Rob Halford and and Bruce Dickinson. And now better is a subjective term. I'm not trying to rank these guys. No, I was going to – if I had anything to say about your your positive, if anything, rant there about singers and your mind being blown about about power singing, about loud rock singing. uh, Yeah. Um, you know, th- it's not about being better. It's no one's better than the other guy. No, you have I, to, you, some people don't think like that though. It's not about, oh, they need to, oh, they have to get somebody better. It's always about getting somebody better. No, there's I, a I, lot you're going to learn today. It's not just about getting someone as good or someone who can just do the job or someone we don't hate or someone who can do an amazing job in their own way and still blow minds. Yeah. This is kind of what we're talking about. That's what and, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, like the ladder that you just created with those amazing, influential, iconic front men, uh, hard rock, heavy metal singers. Dude, this conversation could go and go and go. And the origins of this could, you could go back 
to the 60s and talk about power hard rock singing right maybe yeah. heavy metal wasn't the terminology but right. they're singing from way back when that you're going holy crap how are, how are, how did he do that you yeah. know uh so carry on with what yeah. you were saying yeah. here we are with todd latore todd latore yeah well you know i i think the point i was trying to make is that you know rob halford stood on this pedestal for the longest time that you didn't think anyone could ever come close to him and then you know and year, years go by, and then you've got some some people that can can compete with him, and namely uh, Bruce Dickinson. And then Jeff Tate was a guy I remember being in high school and just thinking, okay, we're done at Halford and Dickinson. It just can't get any better than that. And then here comes Queen of the Reich screaming over the radio. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, everybody, I remember everybody wanted to know who is that singer? who? What's the guy's name? They had to know his name. And it was like, it's Jeff Tate. Wow, who is this Jeff Tate guy coming out of nowhere? And anyway, of course, time has produced uh, many talented singers since those days when Rob Halford was sort of the, the king of his own universe, and still is. But uh, the fact that you've got Todd Latore that can step in and fill those shoes and do it admirably and convincingly and with respect to his predecessor, uh, I just think speaks volumes. And if you saw him, Queensryche was the support act on the latest Judas Priest tour, and they're going back out with Judas Priest, so you'll yeah, get a chance the, to see him live. 50, Judas Priest's 50 years of heavy metal yeah. tour that's out yeah. on the road. And Todd, you know, you and I both saw that tour when it came through mm -hmm. Austin, and Todd did an amazing job. And mines so, were mines were blown. Uh, yeah, it 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 hurt people. It hurt somebody in San Antonio's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking good. They were like, "Wait a minute, yeah, it, uh, something's I mean, not right." <laughs> they had to question. They had to question their own existence as to what it was that, that was being. They did. They were being. Their ass was being kicked, and they didn't like it at all. So they had to say something about it. Bless their hearts. Well, I, I thought, I, you know, the, I just loved. You know, I, I said to Todd when we wrapped up the conversation, I was looking forward to today's episode just because I wanted to pick the brain of a guy who stepped into impossible shoes and did a great job. And beyond, then I come to find beyond out that, during, beyond that, yeah, beyond yeah. that. And then I come to find out during the course of the conversation that he's just a super chill, humble, respectful, just a great, great guy. So. Really happy to have him on the Talk he's Better a, podcast. He's, he's a good guy to have on your team, it turns out, because, uh, um, you know, where he seems, uh, where his pride uh, should stand, um, he was letting us know that he's respected by his band. And yeah. he, if they have a question, he has an answer. And what if they were in different shoes and they had a guy who didn't even want to be questioned? Yeah. Or what if they had a guy that didn't have the answers? Well, Todd's got all of that and more. And yeah. so when you when you watch this episode, I think you're going to learn a lot about uh, what is needed when you're when you're stepping into shoes that big, and the reason that all of these things are important, and why it's so obvious that. Uh, you know, and, and the story is out there, but he tells it today a little bit about how he went to, he met the guys, he went to Seattle, they did a couple of gigs where they did a bunch of Queensryche shows, they sold out two nights in Seattle under a different name, Right. and the next thing you know, he's in the band, 
So obviously, whether that was a ploy for those guys, I wonder if we can hang with this guy. Obviously, they fell in love with the guy. And I think everyone who uh, watches or listens to this episode is going to also, the same thing's going to happen to them today here on the Talk Louder podcast. Yeah, Todd Latore. Your most recent tour through Texas. Dave and I, we we weren't at the show together, but we were at that Cedar Park show uh, on the priest priest tour. And uh, I was uh, sitting with some friends, a guy that his name gets a lot of lip service on this show, Bob Sutcliffe. I don't know if you know that name offhand, but he works the door at a a club called Knuckleheads, I believe, in Kansas City. Yeah, okay. And, you know, we're, we're watching the show and having a great time. And he's not, a, he's not like a name dropper kind of a guy. He's humble and he's fun and he's, uh, you know, he's a door guy at a rock bar, you know, yep. in Kansas City. He's, he's just a dude, right? And uh, I love that guy. And Dave knows him too. And, you know, he probably was the first... I mean, I didn't have any doubts. Why would I? But he was really the first guy to go, oh, yeah, Todd, uh, you know, he's the salt of the earth. I, he, you know, at the club, they, Queensryche plays through there and he'll sit at, he'll sit at the bar and eat lunch and people are walking in to buy their tickets or pick up their VIPs or whatever it is they're doing. And they're, they'll walk by the table and go, holy shit, that's, that's fucking Todd right there. (laughs) And then he said, you'll, you know, pick up a napkin and go, no, nah, man, let's hang. And you'll take a picture and a blah, blah, all that. And, you know, obviously most of us, I would like to think most of us who, who play in bands, who some people know, yada, yada, know how to be and know how not to be. Yeah. And the, the story Bob told made me go, okay, he's one of us. He's one of those guys that's going to take time out to, you know, sign yeah. the football, right? Well, I mean, I just think that, <clears throat> you know, I know where I come from and I know my roots and they're close to me. Um, obviously, when you gain some notoriety, um, there's it does change you because there's an element you know, part of you is like, no, 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 that's, I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a, you know, but, but then there's that other element that you have to recognize that says, I can't just hang with everybody. I can't just, you know, uh, people get upset about all oh, this band charges meet and greets. Well, that's because the business has changed and you're finding ways to make supplemental income. And, you know, you can't just go hang with the entire audience after the show and like you won't have a voice and you know yada yada i try my best to always be respectful and i'm very thankful you know what goes up must come down Mm -hmm. and whether it's the small outlets that gave me my very first interviews from when i joined crimson glory to doing something with say billboard or whatever um i still try to to nurture or just say hey for no reason no contingencies but hey man i I hope you're doing well and 
when you're not a big deal anymore, those people that you snubbed that were smaller outlets, those are the ones that, that are championing you. And those are the ones that when you, when you put, you know, push them aside, like oh, I'm, I'm bigger than your outlet now. Um, when that goes down again, because it does, you know, you're going to be leaning on those people to promote what you're doing or try to keep you relevant in some way or keep your name and face out there. So I try to be, you know, very humble and just down to earth. But there's also that element where it's like, hey, I, I don't want to talk. I, I'm tired. I need to I just want to go to my room or I just want to, you know, that kind of thing. So some people could mistake that for being arrogant, but when that's your job and that's all you're doing all the time, you have to know when to pump the brakes a little bit and maybe I, I'll go out a back door to to just be by myself. I don't want to hang with people and it's nothing right. against them. It's just giving not. you my own time because as you know, you're around people all the time and that that gets to be a bit much in your head and uh it's nice to just have some some uh peace and quiet but again i i do i am very thankful for those that um support what i'm doing and um i try to let that be known to them that i i am very thankful because there's a lot to choose from so the fact that somebody's taking the time out of their day to say something nice to me or to ask for a photo or can you sign this thing or whatever you know there was a time before i got into this at this level where I would I would just hoping that somebody even knew who I was never mind want a picture you know well, well I, I, I wish that right. I had a platform where people could hear what I'm doing and so I don't take that for granted right yeah I think anybody that's listening to this podcast or anybody that's a, a fan of music in general if you spent any time around music and musicians you you got to respect that I mean at the end of the day we're all human beings and you know, yeah. you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be hungry. You're going to want to shower. You're going to, or you're going to want to hang out. And it just, you know, it's a flip of the coin, and yep. it just, it just depends. But uh, if you can't, you know, accommodate all those people all the time, anyone that doesn't get that is just, just being unreasonable. Well, I, I think I also, I also think the guy that's after the show, walking around the crowd, and and, and on any level. And going, all right, let's hang out. Drinks are on me, and pulling yeah. all nighter. They're not taking care of themselves. Well, and, and you not, know, I they're not I being don't... real to themselves. They're not being real to the people that he's like partying with or hanging with or whatever. So the fact that someone walks by you and recognizes you and like obviously doesn't really want to bother you, but is sheepishly approaching. That's the cue. It's like, oh, they, they're respecting me, so I'm going to take a second and just get right. up. Because guess what? They're going to not give a shit if I sit right back down after I shoot a selfie and sign a couple things. Right, yeah. I'm going to feed my face some more. Right. And, yeah. and you know, you, 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 get a, you get an eye for that. I can spot that a mile away. I love it. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's, the, it's the guy that's doing this, and then, and then, and then you see this. And it's like, okay, you're not reading, you're filming, you're filming, or I can see him hanging in the wings. And it's like, if they're respectful, then they're like, hey, man, you know, um, dude, is there any way we could get a picture together? And I'll say, absolutely. Um, 
And so, yeah, that, but I, you know, I don't drink. I've never have. So I'm not a party guy. I, I really, you know, I might eat my sandwich at the bar or do something, but I, I'm not a, after the show, I usually will just want to go to my room or on the bus. I'll make a coffee, have a smoke, chat with, you know, one of our guys in the band and just fucking chill. I don't, I don't want to be, I can't do that all night. I mean, I'm a talker, no. but, but I just, <laughs> that's not my scene. It never has been right on. And some people again can mistake that for, Oh, he doesn't, you know, but it's like, Hey, why you going to be stuck up, man? It's, it's like, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. This is your night out to party and be with your, your friends. This is my work. Yeah. And so yeah. if I'm doing that, I, like, I, I just can't do it, you know? I, no. I, you know so yeah. I, I like a very small few people, but when it's like, it can be kind of ridiculous where you go out and then it's, they, they see the one guy and then it's, and then you see the gathering and then everybody wants, and you're like, Hey guys, I don't mean to be rude. I'm good for like two more. And then I got to go. Yeah. Um, and, and well, I just, you're, let it be known. you're I'm, taking care of yourself. You're being respectful. I mean, I them. try, I try. Yeah. Well, know. no, it's, it's being recognized that you are. And that's why I brought up Bob. Cause yeah. he was the first guy to do that. Then there's a story I told you the other day about we were on a cruise together and this was fucking years ago. Yeah. I can't even remember when it was. And, uh, I'm standing behind Minoru from loudness and they had played the night before and it was breakfast or lunch or whatever, standing in the buffet line and that shitty food in the back of the fucking cruise. And, and, uh, <laughs> you're not going to get invited back. <laughs> and, uh, well, the food's fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> So, anyway, yeah, you're with loudness. Yeah, and uh, he goes, uh, uh, Todd kind of is not like cutting in front of me, but he's getting uh, Minnie's attention to compliment him and say, I'm a big fan, and your voice was awesome, and great set last night. And I'm standing right there, you know, Todd's like right there in front of me, right in front of my face. And uh, the fact that uh, Todd the singer for Queensryche fanboyed out on loudness vocalist. I was like, I can hang with that dude. Cause he just nerded <laughs> out on loudness and I'm back here, chicken shit, wanting to tap Minnie on the shoulder, go, Oh my God, dude, you know, and, and it, I didn't even do it. And Todd was just like, dude, fucking, you know, raged right in and like, and now, and now I feel bad that you were right there and I didn't go to you and go, Holy shit. No, because you know i but, just maybe i just saw him and i as i was doing something i was like oh okay and everything else was oblivious I, well the, yeah the that's what kind of what i'm saying i'm standing in line and it, to myself i'm going fuck i'm standing behind the fucking singer for loudness you know yeah it's cool totally into it and that's in that that's part of what's great about those cruises man yeah everyone's to, yeah you get to all for one to, one for all everyone's just on a giant hunk of metal yeah. in the middle of the ocean that sounds scary they're but, they're i think they're hard for singers because yeah. it's essentially a five-day meet and greet yeah and then you have to perform and it's like yeah. ugh, you know i remember one time we we started out a tour and we started with the boat and then got off and started like a six-week run and i and i told our manager i'm like dude never again i'm like it's a fucking floating petri dish of bacteria and viruses and sickness. You're right. And and then I got to go out. We have to go out for you know, 
five, six weeks and I'm talking and I'm like right out of the gate. I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. Now, if you ended a tour with that, that would be like way better. But for singers, I think it's, again, I try to, I try to bob and weave and be a little more incognito. I just want to, yeah. I just want to watch the band a little and then I'll go eat and then go, go back to my room or something, or, you know, that I like to kind of chill. Yeah. But a lot, most people are, are very respectful. And, you know, yeah. I started going into the artist lounge, the dinner the area, because in the buffet, it's always, Hey, I am, I'm so sorry. I hate to be that guy, but I'm like, <laughs> but, but you're being that guy right now. I just yeah. want to fucking eat. And, yeah. You know, and, and and I always I'm like, no problem, man. You know, let's do it now so that you're not sitting there waiting for my whole meal to finish. Let's just knock it out and then you could go and then I can eat and everybody's happy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, loudness, I'm a big, big loudness fan. And, and look, if there's somebody that that I'm a fan of. Uh, you know, that's that teenager in me that goes, God damn, okay, I have an opportunity. <laughs> I got a little street cred now. Yeah. I got a, I got an opportunity to go, hey, man, you don't know me. I know who you are, but I just want to say I'm, I'm a big fan of your music. And then I won't even say like, oh, I, I sing for Queens. I'll just say, hey, dude, I'm a big fan of your music. I love your whatever it is that they do. And uh, I don't even usually ask for a photograph, but, you know, if the time is right and it's and it seems okay, then I'll say it would mean it would mean it would be really cool if we could just do a quick photo together because I'm probably never going to meet you again. Who have you done that to? Oh, uh, let's see. I did that with like Akira Takasaki because mm. we we played another festival in Europe and and they were there. I did it with Nurgle from Behemoth. Yeah. Um, and then I've met I met him again. Um, I went to their dressing room. Uh, they played here at Janice in St. Pete. And so I got to do that. Um, Brian Possein, the, you yeah. know who he is? Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. my wife's a huge, uh, she's a scientist, but her, she's a huge uh, Big Bang Theory nerd. And we both are. And when I saw him, I was like, okay, I'm probably never going to see you again. And I actually had him do a video to my wife and he spoke in the character's voice. Oh, and he's like, I hear you're a neuroscientist. I guess that's, I guess that's a, a science or, you know, he does his whole shtick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like nerding out a little, like, this is, this is so cool. So there's a few people here and there. Um, Amy Lee from Evanescence, you know, she was really sweet. And, and actually she was like, Hey, let's do a photo. And I was like, okay. And I said, um, you know, maybe if I can, I can find you online and tag you in or something. She goes, well, let me just give me my cell phone and just text it to me. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Wow. So, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, there are those, those moments where it's like, you know, uh, yeah, you I, go I don't know that we'll share the same festival or the bill. If we're not quite in the same little pocket of uh, the, the sub genre, for example. And so, this might be a good opportunity. You know, we did it with, I did it with Paul Stanley and, wow. and he, was very, he was very sweet. And actually he knew who I was, which I was really surprised. And, uh, before I even introduced myself, but, um, so there are those moments where you're like, man, this, and then you pinch yourself and you go, well, I, I kind of have some access. I got access <laughs> to people. This is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to you being a human being. I mean, yeah. you know, we're all yes. fans at some level. And sure. uh, well, Jason messaged, he, he commented on my Twitter and I looked and I go, and I, I clicked on his thing. I had the blue check. I think it was an official and I looking down, I'm like, this is the guy. Okay. And so I commented and I was like, wow, dude, like, I totally know who you are. Uh, I'm a fan of your, of your voice. And I saw you when I was in high school, dangerous toys was on tour and it was Bonham and them and the cult. Yeah. And, and, and like, I remember, you know, uh, was it teasing, pleasing and, and, uh, scared was the big, was the big hit on MTV and like those, that debut record, you know, and when the band came out and I was like, and so all these years later, I'm like, dude, I used to watch this guy on MTV. And now he's like, you know, you don't know me, but you know, I'm like, I, are you kidding me? Like, mm. fuck yeah, this is awesome. I don't, I'm not uh, taking anything for granted. I'm not going, well, you know, <laughs> you probably might recognize my name. No, no, no. I, you I were like just as humble it. as could, you know, humble. You know, and, and I just thought that was so cool. And I was like, you know, this, this guy's done it. He's seasoned. He's paid his dues. He's been to the top of the mountain. He's had a nice view. And then at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do what we like and make a, an honest living doing it and ride it till the wheels fall off. But I, I was personally like, wow. Like I called a couple buddies. I was like, in, in normal conversation, I was like, dude, you're never going to guess who I can, who commented on my Twitter. And I thought it was so cool. And it was you. And so, I re we private messaged and hey, you got it this podcast. Would you like to be on it? Absolutely. Here's our my number. You gave me your number, and then I just called you. We had a nice chat, and here we that are. Was the best. That was super awesome. nice of you to call. It was a nice I, surprise. I commented on Jason's Twitter one time, and he blocked me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just I got to live with you. So yeah. you know, why? You well, I get it, Todd. I, uh, Todd, I totally get it. I was the yeah. same way. I, I grew up watching Jason on MTV and. Uh, you know, and, uh, and hearing them on the radio. And then now we've now been friends stuck. for 25 years and I can't get me. rid of them. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like yeah. a, a welt that didn't go away. Cancer. <laughs> so. so Todd, you've been, you've been in Queens right now for, what, are, are we talking nine or 10 years or something like that? Yeah. I, so this, this month is 10, is officially 10 years under the name Queens, right? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. 10 years already. And already. you're about to put out your fourth record with Queens, right? Is that correct? Yep. So um, you're four records in, you're 10 years in, uh, officially under the name Queensryche. Um, you just released a, a single, a video, uh, In Extremis, if, yeah. that's, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. Um, and I know you said at the top of the show you, don't, you, you can't get into too much detail on the new sure. album, but yep. can you sort of give us a sense of the evolution of the band since you joined in terms sure. of working with the guys and how the songwriting approach may have changed and, and if the direction sonically has changed at all. Just kind of take sure. us from day one to now with you as, a, as the singer for Queens. Right? Sure. So uh, I'll preface it by saying that I was a, a huge Queensryche fan. Um, and after Empire, you know, I kind of had heard what was coming out after and, and it just lost my interest. And I was more into, oh gosh, at that time, maybe like the early stuff at Dream Theater. And I was still listening to, you know, Megadeth and Dio and still like 
Rat and Dawkin and like Kingdom Come, like the first, you know, that first record from them. And like, I'm still like in the eighties and like, that's the shit I like. Yeah. Um, and seventies, a lot of seventies singer songwriter stuff and whatever. So I just want to kind of say that I was a huge fan and the sound that was identifiable, identifiable to me, that was kind of the essence of what Queensryche embodied, even though it was very vast in the, in, uh, being able to do something very light and soft versus something more heavy. Um, you know, when I joined the band, um, we really focused on like the early stuff and they were like, well, what do you want to, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, the stuff that I love is like stuff off of the warning. It's my favorite record from the band, you know, yeah, Rage for Order, mine. you know, some mind crime stuff, you know, maybe a couple empire tunes, but really kind of like the old stuff. And so that's what we did. And so we were playing like, Queen of the Reich and Child of Fire and Roads to Madness and Take Hold of the Flame and NM156, yada, yada. So um, when I first, when I did the first record with the band, um, it was, it like happened pretty quickly. Like we just wrote ideas and, and it was all kind of the back and forth thing. And we did you know, obviously some in the same room stuff, but a lot of those ideas were sent to me and I would record and send them back and we would build songs that way. Um, and I think that was a fork in the road from the sound where primarily the majority of people said, oh, wow, okay, this really sounds more with what I remember Queensryche sounding like. It was more acrobatic vocals. It was more like guitars were a little heavier in, in the way Queensryche would be heavy. Right. Um, you know, and, and so that was a, a, a very line uh, in the sand drawn, like, okay, this is a, this is a different sounding band again, where it's kind of gone back to those roots per se. So then we did the second record called Condition Human. And I think that was a nice progression. It was a longer record. Um, the title track is one of my favorites. I mean, it's it's a it's a long song. It's dynamic. It's airy and and you know, kind of Pink Floyd space in the verses. And it gets to kind of some proggy things, and then this big chorus, and it gets haunting and broken down. And so that was another step. Then we did the verdict, um, which was the third record. That was the last one that came out, and I actually drummed on that whole record. Yeah. Um, and that was, again, its own animal, a little more progressive in certain ways, a little more maybe experimental in a few ways. Um, and I think that that one was even, you know, revered as even another step up. So then, you know, and kind of letting me, look, when I hear the guys create something and it sounds when Michael plays something, it sounds like Queensryche them just the way he, the chords, the way he plays. So it naturally makes me deliver in that way. Um, and an extremist, for example, had more of a maiden feel. Yeah. And I'm not like, well, I'm going to try to sound like Bruce Dickinson here. I'm going to try to, I just go, this is what I feel when I want to do this. And this is how I'm approaching it. Um, and so 
you know, four four records in, it's kind of like, yeah, I know Jeff Tate would never sing this way. I know he would never, you know, vocalize in the way that I'm doing it. Um, and I'm a scratchier singer. You know, he was always very pristine and clean, and, and I've always been a raspier singer. It's harder for me to sing clean. Hmm. Um, so I, I just did it my way. But my point is, after 10 years, it's like, just let me unleash and just do what I, what I, how I do it instead of going, well, you know, it, though it would sound more like Jeff Tate if you did this, like, because then I'm just, it's, I'm always kind of held back a little. And those guys let me do whatever I want <clears throat> and keeping in mind that I'm not going to do something that, that I feel, and that's subjective, that I feel would be inappropriate for Queensryche. I'm not going to do gutturals. Yeah, you know, yeah. if there's a heavy thing, I'm not going to, <clears throat> I'm not yeah. going to do that because that's not the sound. Right. Um, but my higher screams, you know, they're, they're grittier. They're more in the Halford kind of way than like Halloween or even the way Jeff Tate would do some things. I, I do them a little differently. Um, I think that I'm mindful and aware that those subtleties and nuances, those little cries, those, those inflections that really make it in, in, indicative of the Queensryche vocal kind of way, there's that similarity, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I, he still has his own voice, but there are these things that weave in and out that are very reminiscent of how Jeff Tate might, might have sounded, for example. Um, and, I, feel and like, a, I feel like those inflections um, can become part of the song. And, absolutely. And to, and to relate a new Queensryche, uh, you know, era, or song or moment in a song, uh, yeah. you can rely on that to bring the older fan back yeah, in. Pull, it, it keeps it keeps that common thread kind of bonded. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, there's also look. I'm not. I'm not him. No. It, it's a, it's a different. It's a different band, but it's kind of the same band at the same time. We still have. Michael Wilton and Eddie Jackson, founding members of the band, bass and guitar. Uh, Scott, you know, hasn't been playing with us for years now. So Casey Grillo, who used to be in a band called Camelot, you know, he was he's fit in seamlessly with us. And and, and it also goes back to that. Yeah, you're on stage for 75 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it is. It's the other 22 and a half hours where you're living together. And the, the, the personal dynamic is paramount to having a healthy work situation um, because then you you feel compelled to collaborate. You feel compelled to share ideas and you're more open minded. Uh, so while it's a different lineup, it, it's still it's still Queensryche. It's just Queensryche in 2022. People like to go, oh, it's not Rage for Order. It's not Operation Mindcrime. Forgetting that the original lineup never wrote another Operation Mindcrime for years after they were all still together. So they caught lightning in a bottle and with Empire, which was their biggest selling record. Um, you know, but we just write songs. And if something resonates with people, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, you like, you, you know, I mean, when you put a record out, you don't know how it's going to be received and you just 
You just hope, like when people go, oh, that's not Queensryche. It's like, you have the guy from Queensryche who wrote the song. How much more Queensryche can you get when that's the guy who did it? It's like if you wrote a song and did something, that doesn't sound like Dangerous Toys. And you're like, that's the guy who gets him just because he painted with some different colors. It's still the same artist. This is what came out of him. And he's in a different headspace than he was in 1988. You know, right. right. Some, Some things you you. There's a musical maturity that happens. There's a reservation that happens. And, and like, you've done all that. So it's like, creatively, I don't want to paint the same picture for these many years. I want to craft something else. There's still my brush strokes and these flares that are, you know, congruent with my style. But I got to paint a new picture. You know, you're not going to get the same thing. So um, hopefully people dig it. You know, it's just the first the first song that's put out, but there's a lot of variety on the new, on the new um, album and they'll see, they'll see. And if they like it, cool. If they don't, you know, that's okay. Well, we're going to do another record and right. maybe, you know, it never ends. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and we can, you know, tell people the name of the album that's been, yep. that's been published. Yes. Uh, what is it? Uh, digital, digital noise Alliance. Yep. Hang on one sec. I'm going to yeah. turn, I'm going to turn a fan on real quick. Okay. I, I, I kept the AC off so it wouldn't make noise, but. Uh, you can turn that AC on. We don't care. It's get, uh, it might be a little loud. Hold on. Sorry about that guy. We don't care. It's all right. All right. Okay. So anyway, go ahead. So the new, the new album is, is called digital noise Alliance. It's due out in October, I believe. Yep. Uh, the first single is in extremist. There's a video for it that you can find. Um, I, I, I agree with you when I listened to it, I, I heard little echoes of iron maiden of course. and it, for me, that's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you make a point, you know, you know, you make a point about Queensryche and, and, you know, in doing some research for this segment today, I, I'll be honest, man. I forgot how many records came after Empire. A lot. <laughs> a lot of friggin' records came out, yeah. and and I think, to your point, uh, these are my words, not yours, because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here. But sure. I feel like I was kind of oblivious to all those records because none of them really made a mark, at least for me. And I don't think, and I pay attention to media and stuff, so I don't think they even made a mark commercially because you didn't read about them. Uh, there wasn't a lot of buzz going on around those those albums, and but it also points back to another point you made, which is Queensrÿche was the type of band that changed, you know, it progressed with each album. So sometimes the progression was a huge leap, and sometimes it was just a little step forward or whatever. Uh, but I have noticed since you've joined the band, there's been sort of this renewed excitement, and I think it's because. I'll just say it. I think it's because you stepped in and did one hell of a job uh, at a, a job that no one thought could be done. There's that. And then the sound, like you say, kind of harkens back to, I think, the sound that people fell in love with when they first heard Queensryche. So I think you kind of got this this one-two punch going right now, and this momentum is being built off of that. And that is a great singer taking over for another great singer. We're First of all, we're shocked that he's even able to do it. And he's doing it great. And oh wow! By the way, the music sounds reminiscent of what I remember from Queensrÿche. So, yeah, thank you. I mean, I, it's a certainly a, a noteworthy observation. Um, to add to what you're saying, there are a couple variables that are worth mentioning. Number one, as we all know, during that time period, hell, we'll just even say 
almost the entire decade of the 90s. It was a huge musical shift. Yeah. So had uh, Mind Crime come out in 98, 99, 2000, I don't think it would have, you know, it's like mm -hmm. those stars aligned for that. It's like you could say, oh, that's a, that's a great album. If in a great song is a great song, right? But yeah. there's also timing and and some things. Um, you know, if a band put out Dark Side of the Moon right now, you know, would people be like, "Oh, this is kind of boring"? And but would would they really get it? Would they really? I don't even know. It's such a magnificent body of work, but you think like, and maybe I'm just a little old fashioned, but. Um, there, there, there was that time period where very few bands were cutting through in rock and metal because that shift happened, right? right. The Pearl Jams and Stone Temple Pilots and that whole thing. And, and, and in one sense, it kind of needed to happen because it was just kind of regurgitated shit. Yeah. And, and everybody was kind of copying everything. And that's kind of how I feel right now in the metal world. I'm not hearing a lot of originality. I'm hearing overplaying. I'm hearing not a lot of singing and and there's something to be said for screaming and gutturals and like I, I love that stuff don't get me wrong i love that stuff but you're not hearing it's like the drummers and the guitar players have just ex excelled mm. so much more than i mean back in the day you would listen to you know racer x and scott travis or paul gilbert or even kiss of death that was like you know you know, or Mr. Scary, you know, and that was kind of your double bass work. It wasn't all this kind of crazy, like very technical, extreme drumming and, and guitars, um, the guitar playing. But the vocals, in my opinion, have not risen to that same bar, whereas mm -hmm. like, where, where are the where are the you put a thousand metal bands on the screen and say how many of those that are touring putting out records this and that and granted you have a whole power metal there's a thousand subgenres but who's really singing and out of those singers again very subjective who is really at the, the pinnacle of what we in metal would consider a, a really phenomenal vocalist yeah um uniqueness character you know, never mind like the, the technical proficiency of, of all that, because I think that kind of should take a back seat versus the passion and the delivery and the emotion. Some things Jason and I talked about on a phone call. Mm -hmm. But so that's one of the things was the time period. You're talking about those records. Yeah. The second thing is, again, obviously, whomever, whatever, collectively, individually, Queensryche um, was putting out different sounding albums. And while creatively I respect those bold moves, even if I didn't like them or Joe Blow didn't like them, um, you got to give it to them because they're the artists that are creating. And if that's the music they want to create, you got to let them create it. That being said, it is a business and you have to be mindful of the menu. If I go to McDonald's and I, and I say, I want a Big Mac and they say, uh, we don't sell a Big Mac anymore. We have... Uh, a big a Big Mac wrap, and and it and it doesn't taste anything that familiarity that tried and true thing that taps into the psychology of your audience is a, is almost more important in and of itself. So you still have to be mindful of the boundaries of your yard. You can go far and wide, but 
there is a boundary. And when you go outside of that, you do risk losing a lot of your audience because you've just strayed too far. Okay, maybe that was an anomaly and that record did that, but they're gonna really pull it back on the next one. And then the next one doesn't do it. You put two records out like that and a lot of people, so when I joined the band, a lot of people were coming up going, dude, I feel like I have my band back. And, and I would say, well, these guys aren't hiring outside writers. And that was happening on some of those other records that you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. um, Did not know that. Yeah, they had a lot of outside writers and um, a lot of stifled creative things. There, there were hard drives that I had listened to and it was like, hey, you know, what's that? Oh, that's something I've had for 15 years. And it was actually submitted during the Tribe album or whatever, Mind Crime 2 or whatever. And I'm like, well, whatever happened? Oh, it, it was considered too heavy. You know, I'm not gonna stir the pot, but it was it was deemed too heavy. And I was like, okay, let's just, let's just establish something right now. You're never gonna hear me say that. So if you feel, so basically it was just like, there were restraints lifted, I think. And Michael and Eddie and Scott back there, they were just allowed to write and create whatever they wanted and let me rise to to you guys you know like uh, we talk about the down tuning there's nothing wrong with bands down tuning i get it for me uh we still play everything in the standard tunings that the songs were recorded in granted i'm not in my 60s i'm close i'm 48 um but even at 48 you know i had gone back when i joined the band and i was like okay you know singer was born at this time so this would put him at 35. Okay, well, I'm 10 years older than that. And those notes weren't being sent, sung at 35. And I'm doing it 10 years past when that person was singing these notes. So I felt like, okay, I need to gauge myself where people are expecting the, to sound like the record, which is kind of not fair, you know? But um, I think that a lot of people were like, oh, we feel like we have our band back. And it was because they're yeah, the... There's no stifled creativity. Everything's fair game. But they were also mindful, like, well, we're getting a lot of fans. I don't like the word fans. We're getting a lot of supporters of the band back on board because they're hearing this this sound again that they missed for a long time. Yeah. And I'm just one little facet of that culmination. You know, I, I don't really like people, oh, you saved, you saved this band. I didn't save anything. I'm just one contributor and everybody's working together. We don't have outside writers doing things. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think the, the vast majority of of the audience of Queensryche do appreciate what we're doing. And you're always going to have the naysayers and whatever. That's cool. Whatever. Sure. Right. Sounds but, um, like a, we're trying. Like, yeah, no, man, you're doing yeah, a great job. It sounds like job. the sounds like the. Uh, the for a while without you i'll just say without you the wagons were not in a circle anymore and with you the wagons are in a circle you have circled the wagons you have congealed you have like i like the story just you just said about going through old hard drives because if you're finding these gems on here that were nap nope yeah, shell too heavy, denied, yeah. can't do it. Nope, nope. It's like that 
says a lot about you wanting to help in your own way, whether helps probably not the right word to um, embrace. Yeah. Get, 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 you know, get the shit back where it needed to be without, totally. without right. really trying to do that in one swipe. Yeah. It's like, uh, Hey, what there's, there could be a, a real special nugget in there yeah. that we don't even know about. And, uh, but then there's also a point where like, we'll take those and maybe we'll develop a song and it's like, there's some really cool moments, but as a whole, maybe we think it, 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 it goes into like the scrap pile. Maybe we can salvage a, a bridge out of there or do something. Yeah. But like on this most recent record, we were like, okay, no old riffs, no old hard drive material. Like we are going to do this from scratch and everybody came here and we worked in my studio with our producer Zeus and literally start a groove and then here's a riff and we're like, oh, okay, that was cool. And we wrote it like a band used to write songs when you're yes. all in the same room. And not only that, it makes pre-production easier because instead of crafting like these kind of full songs, we were trimming the fat off as we go. So we don't have to sell everybody in the band the idea. It's all talked about right there. That doesn't work. Okay. And we move on or maybe we tweak it or modify it. So it, it made the process like just extremely a group effort and everyone was involved, whether it's me show, working a drum. Hey, Casey, I got a cool drum idea. Check this out. Or Michael's telling me a, a, a vocal idea or Eddie or I have the guitar and I'm I'm doing a, a guitar thing and I'm like, dude, check this out. This is kind of cool. So we all were just crossing over into each other's respective instruments to just create what we thought would be most beneficial for the for the song. Do you do you play any drums on the new album? I did not. No, KC tracked all the drums on this record. So you did the drums. You did all the drums on the verdict, which to me this just yeah. boggles my mind too. That you're a, you're a drummer of that that. But that's that. that's my that's my kind of my main instrument. Yeah. Uh, now, when I joined the band, um, I remember asking Scott, um, "Hey, Michael sent me a couple tunes. Um, do you want me to? Do you mind if I?" write some drum parts to these for the demos just to get them or or is that like overstepping a boundary and, and you want them to send them to you like i just want to know what what i can do and what i can't do yeah and, you're the new, you're the new guy you're yeah, feeling, i don't want to yeah, make it yeah yeah so i said he goes no dude absolutely take it away and whatever whatever keeps the process going <clears throat> and so okay great so then it would be like hey i was waiting on uh, these drum parts back, but I haven't gotten them back. Todd, would you mind doing this? So I ended up writing a lot of drum parts for the demos on all the records that we did, um, just because that's what I do. And um, and I was never told not to. It was embraced, and so I did that. So when it came to the verdict and Scott wasn't around, um, we were like, hey, are you going to record? Are you going to record? And by the time it was, you know, that wasn't happening. Okay, well, do we hire? Do we get somebody? Do we? And we were writing the song Light Years, and I was playing on an e-kit at Michael's place with everybody. And our producer just goes, dude, 
there's your guy. He wrote all the parts to these. He, he let's let's see how he is on a click. Did Todd play track with this? Okay, and I I'm very good on a click, and I worked the parts out. And he was like, I think if you keep it within the band, a it's a better look, um, and it's gonna save you a lot of time than trying to get somebody to learn all this stuff in a couple of weeks. And it, let's get him in. If he's not cutting it, and even said, Todd, if even though you're great, if if for some reason you just can't, you're not good in the studio, we're gonna have to stop and find somebody else. I said, absolutely, dude, absolutely. This is Queensrÿche. This isn't the Todd show. Whatever's, I get it. Then I went in there and we set everything up, and I just fucking laid it down, man. And it was like no problem. And Eddie and I worked out. The, the bass parts on certain things, but because I also wrote the vocals, and you and I talked about this, Jason, if you mm -hmm. want to chime in after this, I would let you, people probably love to hear the conversation we had about playing other instruments. I'm mindful of the vocal phrasing. So if there's a drum part that I, I might not want to step on what I did vocally, or I might want to enhance it with a drum fill to accentuate a vocal part. So having another drummer come in that had no idea how the singing was going to happen or the phrasing, um, it, it put this situation at, at an advantage because I, I know all those parts. I know what the bass is doing, the guitar riff's doing, what I think the drums should be doing, and what the vocals are definitely doing. Yeah. Um, so it just made for a really great thing, and I think a lot of people appreciated uh, what I was able to do, and it, it made sure that the record got out when it was supposed to. Yeah, I feel that, like uh, I feel like point. it's just going to be a better song. Uh, if if you know, I mean, if you're playing drums on it, and you are doing the demos, and before you've written lyrics, maybe where that's I guess I turned that into a question these demos you were doing and then ultimately the record were you cutting some drums demos uh before you had vocal ideas or after i did the drums first and yeah. then once the vocals happened if there were parts that needed altering because yeah. of those things I mentioned, then yeah. I would tweak those. So like if you're coming from a verse and there, there's like a middle eight or a pre-chorus thing that's going to jump into your chorus and there's a push and a pull and a fill and a thing yep. and then your lyric accentuates that and really makes that shit bubble before it explodes, you need to recut the part to the vocal because it can be about the vocal at that point of climax in a song it kind of is about the fucking vocal yeah so the band has to go to that um yeah sometimes when when i'm writing it's it's not about me right now but sometimes when i'm writing it's important for me to a lot of times it's cool i can feel the song is moving and it's like um i will make my lyric i will follow the band because it's actually exploding just mm -hmm. to for lack of term Mm -hmm. uh, in the right way, I can make my explosions happen in the same places, and it, yeah. and it works. The the rise, you know, the ebb and flow, the sparks, right? Yeah. And so, but if it's not there and it's kind of, the dynamic is wrong, got to recut that part. Yeah. So it fits what you want to do vocally. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's um, there there are there's there are those little things, and you're like, maybe maybe the here's the vocal part I have, and it's you know, dig a dig a dig a dig a boom, right? You say that's cool, but it didn't pay off the way I maybe it could better. So maybe it's you know, do god do gong gong vocal three four boom and build everybody drops out. Here's the big vocal, and then everybody comes in and like the less is more, right? It's yeah. like in Back in Black, I said a many times, but not playing the crash symbol, you know, it's not like all that extra work. You take that out and it's just boom. Yeah. Heartbeat, right? Yeah. And Heartbeat. so yeah. everything, the vocals are more pronounced because of the simplicity, and the music is bigger because there's less, and it, it shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And so, yeah, those 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 parts, um, or maybe there's a, a you know a of a, a, a guitar thing that's maybe i want to go i probably wouldn't phrase in that way but maybe i want to play off of that right sure yeah and so i i'll 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 keep the voice the vocal that way and i'll go you know and make that or maybe i'll go and now you create this answer call thing mm -hmm. where it's like it was the predictor and now the vote like a copycat and then and that becomes hooky because you're hearing this this thing happen you know re it's repeating itself and now it becomes a little ear a worm and and people will remember that so that's, that's, a, that's a, a part of the process and but if the math if that is that math because you just it's it turns into an equation if it's yeah. not right mm -hmm. It bugs it bugs you, and it's not uh, the yeah. song is not as grand yeah. as it could and you're have like, been. Man, everything's here, but yeah, something's What's missing. missing. Like yeah. I don't want. I love the music, and I like the vocal, but together they're not gelling the way that I envisioned that it would. And so, do I? Is the vocal so strong that the music needs to change, or vice versa? And yeah. and you uh, can go yeah. down this rabbit hole. And and then there's also the 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 you gotta know when to put the paintbrush down and go that's 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 yeah. great don't change it or it shouldn't be this hard to make something great I'm just gonna shelve it maybe that never sees the light of day because some of the best stuff we ever wrote we ever wrote was just fast it was yeah. not a hard thing you yeah. know and that's the frustrating part when you're you, you know you're on the verge of what you think is really great and then there's just this little missing link and and that can be a struggle where you get writer's block or i just don't know how to connect the where's the link i gotta make this transition right and then you go back and listen to people that inspired you whether it's the beatles or pink floyd or whatever and you're like okay that just sounded so easy that they did that why am i struggling so hard yeah <laughs> Could be the less is more. You're thinking about it too yeah, much. I, could be. I think, but uh, back to 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 the story that kind yeah. of spawned where we are in the conversation. If if that 
something that magic needs to happen and yeah. one year one or two of you guys kind of hear it mm -hmm. uh has to be because there's a melody that you want to sing and if that yeah. part needs change you can you can go okay roll it back and punch in you can fix the part by that time bass and guitar are going oh yeah okay there's the push there's right. the back down that dynamic can be recut demo whatever right yeah. right away and then you already know oh fuck i'm so glad we got that fucking done because i'm already feeling that shit yeah you know you're hearing vocal melodies and the push and the pull and your dynamic and your ebb and flow while you're behind the kit and your kind of question marks are you know cartoon question marks are flying oh okay yeah okay hey stop stop okay try this da, 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 because i have this thing i want to sing it's automatic right. Yeah, it's automatic. So the yeah. fact that you're in that's like pre-production during the demo. Right. And there, you know, like. There's also like, OK, I, I need this payoff chorus and there's choruses that I've written or done. And and so like, OK, that is a money chorus. That's the shit. And then there's other chorus where I'm like, it's good. It, it, it's it, I don't think it's spectacular and then I'll go back and rework and I'm like here's a variation it's different but it's not any better than the other one per oh, se I don't know how do I can... what do I you know so I, frustrating I, I, can't, I can't write this monster uh, hook on a chorus yeah. what's Fucking going on painful I know I that we pain. all can relate to that that's not in a, yeah I mean Dave's a journalist so when he when something's not flowing right in a piece he yeah. knows well yeah I mean it's like you, you write a, a story a, whether it's a, a paper for, in academia sure whether you're it, it's a write up for something or whatever you're you're writing about you're like okay all of the information is that is it redundant am I re-saying something too many okay I need to cut this. This needs to go over there. I can, can make this more concise. Is the reader getting bored before I get to the meat? The, right. the lead up is too long. And you say, but all this is very pertinent information. I need somebody. This is a little bit more of a cerebral read. They're just going to have to read the way I wrote it because it's not so simple. Right. And, and, and then you're like, it's all there, but. But it's just. Yeah, it's that's my thing. It off the I way I that. want it to flow. Yeah, and and in my case, I want it to be entertaining. So it's not just it's not just a matter of is all the pertinent information there. That's journalism one hundred and one. It better it's engaging. Be yeah. Yeah, but is it going to keep the reader engaged? And right. and hopefully even better, are they going to walk away going, "Wow, that was a great article. You got to read this guy's article that he wrote about such and such a band." Or right. Whatever. Yeah. That's the money for in my world. You guys are in. Well, you know, in music, let me throw this. Writing. Let me throw this in there. If we're talking about a journalist guy like reviewing a record or doing a piece where part of it was they got to talk to somebody in the band, but they're still trying to promote a record that they happen to even like. A journalist reviewing a record that they actually really liked, and they're trying to sell copies of this record because they really like the record. Well, I'll tell you what, if they give it, you know, 10 stars and the article is written and misspelled and written like shit 
and sucked. It's the terrible, fucking terrible. But they gave it ten stars, like ten out of ten, and it's the greatest record in the world. But Don't I can barely it. speak English, <laughs> yeah. and this is written so fucked up and wrong. Yeah. It's like makes you wonder. It's like okay, well, is it just you're a not, bias? You're not yeah. a journalist. <laughs> you're a fan. The, the you're credibility a fan is shot. Yeah, no it credibility. doesn't. That's not. It doesn't make me want to buy the the words they wrote are fucking garbage. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. That ten star doesn't make me want to go buy the record. You don't trust. I, the it's ten almost star. like you'd rather you'd rather see a very well articulated thing review, for example, that gives you an an eight out of ten. You're like, okay, right. There, there was there was some there was critique, right, right. You um, can tell exactly the, you can the, tell point. the writer did their homework. Yeah, that's exactly the and, point. And, and, can... and I'm sure that you deal with the same thing Jason and I do, and every other lyricist is. You, you know, trying to find new words to to explain things without repeating the same. Because it's like you'll do a record, you're like, okay, I said fight five times. I said love twenty. I don't really yeah. say the word love, but let's say I did. Or like White Snake, right? There's a million. There's a, so many songs. Like, is this love? And and uh, love, love ain't no strength. There's a lot of. So I'll say, okay, I I use the word black or white like colors or gray or shadows and shade and demons and like there's that there's those pool of words that we always seem then you have to lyric police yeah. and you're like god damn it i said that yeah. <laughs> two verses ago and i didn't even know i said that yeah dude you're exactly and and you know i'm feeling guilty you... right now man it's <laughs> <laughs> made me feel and like shit the... Here's another thing you guys can certainly relate to. Another challenge that I'm that I find myself in. I, I'm very uh, my writing. I feel like is very rhythm oriented, but and maybe that's because I'm such a music fan. So it's not only are you making the point and is it is it engaging, but does the does the do the words flow? Mm. You know, yeah. again, it's not just good enough to get the fact on the table. It's did it flow? That's an art. That's an yeah. art. Yeah, and That's you an guys art. can and understand it, that. You, you, you're probably right. You're probably trimming a syllable out of a chorus because it was just one syllable too long. Yeah, or you'll say that's one syllable too long. But I could maybe. How do I say the word before it that I yeah, can start I can the, modulate like like Howard the, Jones, right? He goes start on the upbeat. Oh yeah. Is anybody so love? <laughs> yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, so, seven, eight. That's all. It's a measure. It's a full he, measure. He, he took love, well, a single syllable word, and made it go the distance. So you say, okay, I can't use trouble because I don't like the double syllable, but I need it to. I need to fill this. What's another word that was a trouble? And you know what? I I love rhyme zone. I go to Rhyme Zone all the time, and I'll go to the thesaurus. I'm like, I need synonyms. Okay, that's a perfect synonym, but like we talked about, Jason, it's the word is too fluffy. It needs bite. It needs yeah. to be like I want to say, like I told him, cut. It needs to have attack, and it's sharp and aggressive. I can't say trouble. That's like a predicament. That that yeah. doesn't work either, right? So you got to find a word that. <laughs> goes with it that also has the is it ch k t right those sounds or is it fa ba ma yeah are they soft sounding right. round yeah. and they're not jaggedy and so per you, you, percussion you know, 
Right. So the percussion has to so be you, right. You, you go into, you know, the attack. I don't want it to be a ch sound. I want the. I want this. And so sometimes when I'm when I'm working on things, I'll just go up there and go. Okay, I liked how I end with a e e e, not o. I wouldn't mm-hmm. end with the o vowel because naturally I ended with this. So then I'll I'll try to fill in, and then I want to end with that o sound or the ah sound. That's just how it it felt like a good resolve to that first phrase. Managing and, your and vowel. I'll do everything I can, right? Yeah. That, so you put all this kind of work in, right? Then you got some fucking hack online going, this shit sucks. <laughs> After you lost sleep and had exactly. nightmares about uh, you were beating yourself up over a syllable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally right. There's that. so much work that goes into it. It's like those that get it can peel the onion layers back. It's like, dude, do I, do I need to chew your food for you? Yeah, like yeah. you got to use your. There's more. It, there's more complexity than I think the just the casual uh, attention deficit population. You know, they just next, next. It's like, but the people that really want to listen, mm-hmm. I think there's so much more from so many artists from different. I, you know, if I'm in the car, sometimes I'll put on the country station. Not that I, I particularly care for country. But I love hearing a lap steel and I love hearing mm. the dynamics and then the storytelling. Never mind a formula. I don't care about that. But I'll be like, okay, this is um, there there's a, there's more in here than than at first glance. There's a lot more in there to to savor and and, and take in. If it's right. done right, you're right. certainly correct. That's and also point. country music, you might hear the word predicament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. per, predicament. Yeah. Well, per that's what I. Yeah. yeah per, I was in yeah. some kind of predicament. You it know, actually I can cut totally a few syllables out. Have it work. Yeah. Oh yeah, they turn it into a different word. Yeah. Uh, just like hip hop or rap, they'll they're yeah. uh, those rhyme, those guys are rhyming their asses off with shit that shouldn't even rhyme. They're making it shit work. <laughs> they make it work, and yeah. you have to respect that. Fuck yeah, yeah. I do. Right? It's like it's like you know how there's like the rock way to be like to say like fire yeah right like fire fire fire, fire. Yeah. right you're yeah. not gonna go fire no <laughs> no. <laughs> no and so no. so maybe in the rap world they can make a rhyme doing it like fire right so now it ends with an uh yeah so it could be you know you're going higher i'm on fire you know they can make those similar things they make it work and there's an art to that yeah, yeah. so i have this theory that that I I don't like it when, well, if if someone were to ask my opinion, I should probably start with that. Uh, that uh, if um, if your name is not Ronnie James Dio, then you are you should not be allowed to to rhyme with fire and desire. <laughs> right? I think that there should be like a law that says that. Unless your name is Ronnie James Dio, you are not allowed to rhyme with fire and desire. And that would that would be James Hetfield, uh, give me fuel. Fuel. That, yeah. yeah he, I mean, he, but, you know, Dio could that. just sing anything <laughs> and make it sound so Sing, cool. He's yeah. singing the phone book. Yeah. 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 He just he just had a very and that goes back to, you know, there are guitar players that 
maybe they're like uh, metal guitar players and they try to play a blues lick and you're like it's a blues lick but you didn't really sell me on that mm, there's there's a special yeah. like there's a million guys that can play uh, an eddie van halen solo but then there's that handful of guys that really sell it and it's believable and you're like okay it's that that's that special thing that you know there are guys that it's all over youtube there's a million people singing queen's right covers right like they're they're covering take hold of the flame or queen of the reich you know and i'll be like damn i wish i could hit the note that easily like that guy did but then it'll come the verse and and there's those crying inflections and they'll either overdo it to Mm -hmm. where it's like kind of I don't want to say ridiculous and sound offensive, but it's just overdone. Not, right? not, and, I, I call it, it's not special anymore if you do your, your trick too, over and it's over. It's like too much. Yep. And then there's people that don't do it at all. And it's like, okay, you're missing. There's that, there's that needle. And well, they're missing, out, they're missing out on right all, the, all the fun that song has in it if they're not they're not putting it the, yeah. the the emotional value of the song if it's not in the right if it's not placed yeah they're, they're missing out on all the fun i want to talk about your voice that's really something that um i'll just say me and my friends dave included we're talking about once again we started this conversation with uh you guys recently came through with uh, supporting priests through Texas, and uh, we were at the at the show around here. And I had some friends go to the San Antonio show, and just you know, my my socials blew up with all of my friends who I deeply respect their opinions of you know, concerts, and new music, and blah blah blah. And I'm just my phone's blowing up, and 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 they're they're like, holy christ and god queensrike is just they're taking no prisoners just this is like decapitation of the full audience the set list is amazing and oh my god they're not fucking around and a lot of it ended with people who are impressed with your work uh vocally uh your live your live show and the the fact that you're all you've already proven that or, or that's not the right word um you've you've filled some large shoes by what i'll go out on a limb todd and say had to jeff probably had to be one of your one of your guys you know, someone that you looked you up know, to and tate dick dickinson halford yeah. you know the, the, the ones we all know yeah it was i was very much into the operatic the the big vibrato the oh, 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 that real swoopy yeah that kind of thing and you know uh the gothic the renaissance that kind of, that kind of thing and, and so yeah singers that were singing like that was like man that's it just resonated with me in a really unique way yeah. and I, it was very influential to me and i just love it so yeah yeah I'm well sure you're evident. you're you're killing it and it's and it's Thank uh, you, man. an obvious uh influence upon you as you just kind of admitted that you know before they even called it power metal you know uh rob halford would probably say that he got that from you know originally maybe robert plan and ian gillen and those those kick-ass old school guys yeah yeah you know uh highway star and space trucking 
you just stop right there. I know. The, I know. The shit that's going on right there in the in the year that that shit was coming out. Yeah, it was, you're yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? And then you had Robert Plant, of course. So to be able to sing in the stratosphere and have girth and use all the right muscles and and have it not sound like Mickey Mouse, you know, uh, is fucking huge. <laughs> it is yeah. huge to be able to. You, you, I try not to sound like Mickey Mouse too. Um, yeah, but dude, you have a you have a range that's the same as mine or higher. Um, I mean, I, I don't this, know this about that. You do. Yeah, you do, but. Um, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of criticism about, oh, my high range, my voice is thin. You know, mm. oh, it, it taught as a thin voice. And mm. as I told you, <clears throat> I'm actually a baritone. Yeah. Like if I speak in my normal voice, it's down here, but I'm projecting right. more to you. Yeah. And it's easier if I pitch up. But sure. my low register, I can go, I can sing Peter Steele stuff and have resonance in there. Um, and, the higher stuff yeah it's gonna it's gonna thin out your vocal cords are like stretched at, you know and so it, you're probably gonna have a, a thinner sound but i mean i i just do my best you know i can't sing as high as i did in crimson glory and maybe that's because i don't sing like that anymore because mm. i in queensrike i kind of had to recondition how do i sing this stuff um cleaner and without just stressing the shit out of my muscles and my my singing from my throat like how do i how do i do this and i'm i'm all just kind of self-taught you know and uh hopefully it sounds good you know trying to that was one of those things where i had to say okay i can sound exactly like this but i'm done in one song how can i sing longer and I might sacrifice a little bit of tone, mm -hmm. but I now I've got the longevity to do two songs, three songs, for 18 songs, 20 songs. Right. So, you know, don't it's something a, that I, I probably I always, need to I always work say, on. I always say, don't try to be a hero when you've got 30 shows stacked yeah. up. Yeah. That's true. Speaking That's of true. your voice, uh, Todd, you, you alluded to this early in the conversation. You said something about stepping outside for a smoke. And uh, I, I, I feel like I read somewhere that, that you, you're a smoker. And I think I read um, at one point. Yeah. And oh, my God. And they're camels, no less. Jesus. And and I think I read one time or I saw a photo of Jeff Tate with a cigarette at one yeah, point. Yeah, he's and a smoker. Yeah. So so this to me, to me, to my uneducated brain this sounds very counterproductive to the type of singing that you do so how how are you well i mean reconcile those D dio, dio smoked you know dio smoked forever um pavarotti smoked forever yeah granted i think he died of lung cancer but he sang like a fucking bird um i think it's conditioning man there, it, there look there are people like there's a, a great singer named fabio leone he's an italian guy and he's a metal kind of that power metal melodic singing i mean that guy smokes like a chimney it's one after the you know he's probably my age or you know in the same ballpark or older and 
I remember when I joined Crimson Glory, I, I, some friends were saying you should go to this singing coach, and he used to teach. He taught midnight, or he midnight took lessons from him, and so did blah blah blah. And I just went for like an evaluation. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing whatever I do. Right. And he he said, "Do you know how many people come to me?" like you and i said probably a lot he goes very few he goes you you have amazing technique you have blah 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 but now we're gonna go i want to find your weaknesses <clears throat> let's try to build those up and people go do you warm up do you do this 90 percent of the time i literally if i'm just being honest i'll i'll have a coffee and I'll, I'll smoke and the pre-rolls rolling and I'll go and I walk out and I sing and I've done that forever. I think Dio, um, I think Dio did the same. Never you know, I've done that forever. Yeah. And That's this guy said, look, I said, look, I'm a smoker. He's like, I'll give you my honest opinion on this. I've been a professional voice coach for blah, blah, blah. He goes, look, it's unhealthy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's healthy. It's not. It's it's bad for your health. He goes, as far as singing, in my opinion of doing this for 40 years, I don't think that it will ruin your singing voice at all. I think that, number one, everyone is different. Yeah. But he said, um, it's, it's all what you said. It's conditioning. And so there are people that, and it's funny because there are people that will smoke weed but don't smoke cigarettes, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, you know, you know, smoking smoking cigarettes is bad for you. They don't consider themselves smokers because they're smoking weed. I'm like, listen, you're inhaling smoke, which is an irritant, and it dry and it is it will dry you out. Is the and you're still sucking that stuff down, but you become hydrated and. Jason can tell you more because he's actually teaches this stuff, but um, you hydrate from the inside out. So when you pass water down your voice, yeah, it might be a little soothing, but you're not necessarily hydrating the vocal folds in the way that your body will, will be hydrated through consuming water and that going to the tissues and muscles and things like that. Correct. So, so th that's that's a misconception that people think, oh, if I just drink something, the 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 liquid passing down my throat is going to somehow make my vocal cords all good. Hold, hold and, on, let me hydrate. Yeah, th that's not how that works. No, you you know, so I drink water throughout the day. Um, I don't drink. I've never been drunk in my life. I've never smoked weed in my life. I've never done any drugs other than nicotine, which I'll admit it. Um, but I've had, I quit for two years, many years ago. Um, there was an illness in the family. And then I, I, out of the stress, I started again. It was a very serious illness that was happening in, in my family. Um, but for those two years that I quit and I was still singing like I do around whatever, I never sang better. I never, it didn't change my voice at all. I wasn't singing higher because of it. It was yeah. the exact same. <laughs> Um, so people will sit there and say, oh, he didn't hit that note. Well, the, the smokes are, are not working out for him. 
But then the next night, I'll go out and crush it. And I've smoked a pack since then. And yeah. so what are they going to say then? It's like, never mind. I'm talking. I'm in a tour bus with recirculating air. There's people getting sick all around you. I just performed 17 Queensryche songs in a row, which is, you know, let's be honest. It's, it's not easy stuff sure. for people to sing. So it's a very vocally demanding thing. Um, I'm not trying to defend smoking. No, I but, get it. But but it's it's a very fair comment that hey, it's it's probably not doing you any favors. I agree with that. It's not. Right, and 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 yeah, I'm I'm not here to preach. I no, I, just no, wanted, I didn't say you were, but no, I I just wanted to reconcile how someone with your your vocal technique, which is you know amazing, uh, to me it, it just. Um, I don't know how you're able to power through that after you just stubbed out a camel. No problem. <laughs> Look, it's, it's just like it's just like if you hear people doing gutturals, right? Yeah. And you're like, how do they have a voice? If they're going, how, how are they doing that? They've developed a technique where they're not damaging. I've I've been scoped. And the only thing wrong that was going on in here was I have acid reflux and I have GERD, which I've changed my diet to try to eliminate a lot of the things that are so acidic. Um, smoking probably doesn't help that either. But um, coffee either. Yeah. And I love coffee. Me like, too. I, I love all the wrong. <laughs> I've done every David. I've done everything by the book. Yeah. And literally had some of the worst performances of my life. I've also chugged a Coke, which is bad because you get kind of mucusy and phlegmy. Mm -hmm. Right. I've chugged a Coke and had a smoke and went out and probably one of the best shows I've ever had in my life. Um, and sometimes it was like, you know, how you feeling? I don't I don't know. We'll just we'll both be surprised. And see what happens. I literally don't. But there are times where I'll do I'll do some things to gauge my voice because a lot of what I sing is in a mixed voice, and it's you really kind of want to have one voice, right? But I do these kind of mm, 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 sounds, mm -hmm. and when I can do a certain range of those things, I know that when I go out, I'm going to be able to sing this. So um, if I am going to warm up, I'll do like mum, 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 and then I'll work up or I'll do I'll do gugs and mums and I'll do hum, hun and hung. So that that's that that kind of nasally thing that I'm talking about, because there's a lot of this material that relies on some of that technique for me. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, if I sing full blown chest the whole night, I'm just going to be shot, and it's it's not going to work. But you're I've a baritone. Done this, you're a baritone. You can't. Right. You should. You shouldn't. Yeah. And so, look, I've been doing this for enough years that, um, granted, aging. I think your voice does kind of change as you age. But one of the things that I want to do is go back to like the old Crimson stuff that I was singing and recondition my voice for those ultra highs that I used to hit where Queen of the Reich was like butter. Like, no, let's 
we can warm up with that. That's I could not a problem. It's easy. It's easy. Wow. And even today, like I can sing Queen of the Reich way easier than I can sing Empire. Because wow. one is more is more chesty and throaty mm -hmm. kind of. And uh, Queen of the Reich is a different part of my voice. That is a different technique. That's easier for me to sing than mm -hmm. I don't I don't believe in love and empire are the two hardest Queen's Reich songs I have to sing. You're wow. using mixed voice on Queen of the Reich. Yes. Yes. Yep. Wow, and that's that... a high E. That top I don't know. I don't know high, the notes. It's a high E, pretty sure. So you, yeah, like you were like, oh, I sent you some links. You were like, oh, that's yeah, dude, a G or it's whatever. Like a high G or G sharp. That's I don't fucking, even know what that means. That's fucking high. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. I just go. This is the note that well, I. That's get. the. I don't know what that means. That's yeah. like if you've confined a G on your small, thin, baby E string on your guitar. Mm-hmm. That's fucking hot. Real, real yeah. quick, tell me why are those two particular Queensrÿche songs are the most difficult for you? What, what is it about? And, because and what are the songs again? What are the songs? Again? I don't believe in love. The, okay. the verses. Okay. The chorus is fine. The the uh, but the the verses on I don't believe in love, and the, the verses on Empire are 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 probably two of the most difficult songs for me to sing because. It's like, it's more chesty, throaty. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to yell to your neighbor across the street, most people would go, hey, I wouldn't do that. I would go, hey, 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 hey. I can do that all day. It's nothing. Yeah. So there's, and maybe I'm lacking a, a certain proficiency to do what I need to do. But this is where you're sliding from a, this kind of place into kind of this space that I was just showing you right um, into kind of a and I don't sing in in falsetto on Queensryche stuff because that would be like ah, ah, that's real breathy and light mm -hmm. like so people sometimes think if I'm doing a high thing that it's like that just with a little more push behind it and it's not like when I'm doing screams, I guess it would be Jason would know better. It's probably like a reinforced mix belt. I don't know what you would call it, but you're it, using your you're using your diaphragm. But it's it's loud. Like yeah. I can't do screams quiet. Like they are loud. Right. <laughs> well, to to take to to lose some of the air in order to make it quiet. Mm -hmm. is turning it into from a high mix that has air support from your gut that's turning it into a falsetto that's turning it into mickey mouse as soon as you take some of the some of the air support the tree trunk Away. that's holding up the leaves yeah. right as soon as you get rid of the tree trunk the leaves are all airy and it's thin that's mickey yeah. mouse and it's not as loud there's no tone you're losing right. you've already said it you're losing tone when you're up in the trees up in the branches yeah. anyway when you're yeah. singing in the stratosphere you're losing tone anyway so right yeah i so when i'm doing like any kind of scream it's i mean you, you would hear that a block away like it's it's loud and i don't know how i've never been able to do like eddie our bassist eddie jackson he can hit these crazy high backing wow. but like he's a very loud singer but when he does the really high stuff and we're in the dressing room or whatever 
And I'll look and I go, that right there. I go, I can't do that. He's like, yeah, dude. I, it's, I go, no, I, I physically can't do that. Like it's balls to the wall, loud or nothing. I can't mm. do this quiet, ultra high thing quietly where it would just be easy. Like I could just do this really high note and let the microphone work for me. I physically have never been able to, to do it like that. It's always been pushing and, mm. and very loud, not painful, not painful. Right, right. All that crimson glory stuff you heard that yeah. really high shit. It's just like I'm doing Queen of the Reich, only that was just way higher back then. You know what was cool? I'm gonna change it. I'm not even really changing the subject, but speaking of the Crimson Glory stuff that I've seen, um, it's like, uh, well, I almost said camcorder. I'm a fucking dinosaur, but you know, it's phone, it's iPhone footage, right? Yeah. Some of it is. Yeah. Uh, in a club from the balcony or, yeah, yeah. you know, if it's in an arena, it's in the back or a festival outside or whatever. Yeah. It's I iPhone footage, I'll just call it. Yeah. <clears throat> and in that footage, you can really tell that they're like the effects are just some delay or some verb and it's not really dolled up or it's yeah. not overly processed. And you can really tell because, you know, it's in a club and it's few hundred people or it's like i said different variables but what i liked about the footage is i could hear your voice really really well the the sound person was doing a fantastic job of of levels for an iphone to just pick everything up and be able to hear it and that's rare sometimes yeah. it's all crushingly over extra yeah. crispy and blown out and some of the stuff that you shared i think there was only one where i kind of that i found that had some of that in it the rest of it, I was impressed because I could really hear everything that you, the band was doing. But of course, I was listening to you, sure, by default. And uh, the, the some of the things you were doing, it was spot on, and it was effortless, and you weren't making any like crazy faces on anything that just sounded like what, in layman's terms, would look or sound painful. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I, I loosely call myself a vocal coach, but I'm telling you, if you're not in any pain, as you proclaimed, you're doing everything right. There's not really any, if it doesn't well, hurt, good. fucking yeah. go. Yeah, fucking yeah, I mean, it. When we're done with a show, like 98% of the time, unless I'm just not feeling well, but sure, if I'm feeling normal and we're done with a, say a, an 80 minute show or 90 minutes like i could go another hour no problem wow in fact in fact i usually get better as the show goes wow um i don't get worse i usually if anything i'll come out and i might take a little dip and then i'll come back up and get better to where when i'm done like on the priest tour we only did an hour, which was awesome that we got an hour. That's amazing. You got an hour in front yeah. of three. And it was so, great, by the way. So I think we played 56 minutes of music or whatever. But nevertheless, I would be in the shower and my voice was just right. And like, I just did an hour and it was, and I was like, okay, now I'm fucking ready. And I would be in the shower singing, you know, painkiller, like, as best as I would ever want to sing it wow. and like that gritty that that part of me was coming back 
where it's like, okay, now I'm hitting some really good. I, and I would say, I would say to my wife, I think I'm hitting like some crimson glory. Like I'm back where I, cause I'm always like, I can't sing like that anymore. And, and I think what I need to do again is just kind of recondition my voice. Like why are there nights where I can come out and the queen of the Reich scream is awesome. And then there's other times where I, I'm not vibratoing in it. It, it sound, it's like, it's just not solid. It's, right. it's not great. And, and then I, I was like, well, you're a human being. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm, I'm better than that, you know? <laughs> and, she, and she's like, it's tissue, it's a muscle. It's like, you know, give yourself a break. And I'm like, no, because in Crimson Glory, I could nail that shit day after day after day after day after day after day. Would it be safe to say that you were a kid back then? You're not yeah. a kid anymore? You know what? It would be safe because I was in my 30s and I didn't have all of 10 years of touring under me right. you know crimson was like toured for a couple weeks and that was it it wasn't a full-time touring mm. situation so but man i was hitting that shit like yeah. butter and i'm thinking to myself why can i do it sometimes and then other times it's just not there and she she always says to me you just need to learn how to access that again there's something in the way that you would. So I'm thinking to myself from a muscle memory perspective or maybe a technique just by default happens, I need to put on some old Crimson Glory and go like I was singing it back then. And maybe I go, damn, I can't do that. And then keep working at it for a week or two or three and see, okay, now I'm hitting that note again, which were way higher than Queen of the Reich's notes, by the way. Oh yeah. And now I'm thinking, I don't know if I can sing higher than Queen of the Reich notes, but my wife says, yeah, you can. You just need to just condition yourself to do that again. Cause Crimson was a more aggressive, much higher stuff. Now I've kind of just in the Queensryche world, I'm not having to sing those notes, thankfully, <laughs> but you know, and is that really necessary? Like you were talking about, like it's, that's not, what it's all about it's about everything else and if you can you can spurt out a little something cool once in a while okay yeah. you know it's like having a fast car you don't need to redline every gear and, and go as fast the car can go but you, you're cruising and then you know if you downshift one gear and really mash it all right this thing this thing's got it then yeah. you, you level off again yeah maybe that's what i need to do but as a vocal coach hell i'm open to you know any advice you have for, for range? Well, I don't have anything for you because I don't think there's anything I could I could help you with. I was going to take notes if you had something to offer. The, the main thing, yeah, that, that kind of, sorry, that, sorry, everyone listening at it. Yeah, it's, I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not even going to touch it. For those of you who, who, uh, who are familiar with Todd's voice, yeah, there's there's nothing I can tell you, bro. That, your your voice, your voice is so good. Uh, talk talk to us a little bit about your your uh, your opinion of backing tracks, and and I bring this up because uh, because you're a a great singer, and and there's a lot of people that would just assume that if you go out and sing like that night after night, that you've got to be getting help, and and we know that backing tracks are more uh, they're 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 everywhere now. You know, you can hardly see a big level band and not get uh, backing tracks of some sort. And so there was a, 
I reviewed your show uh, when you were here with Judas Priest on my website, and uh, I made the comment of the, you know, that you were hitting all the, the classic notes, the Jeff Tate stuff. And then there was another review that came out in Texas, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get him too, out. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't want to get too specific, but that's cool. I don't care. Th- this this guy was claiming that you were relying heavily on backing tracks. He's a dumbass. He doesn't know anything. Well, what I what I got out of watching you perform was I, I think there was uh, people don't uh, people don't make the distinction between sustain and backing tracks. Right. And so so what what you're getting at and that that example um, and there's comments that happen is is I'll say um, like there's a song called Unforced and it goes Enforcer. Right. And then I go, ah, enforcer. It's but loud and, mm-hmm. you know, very high, pretty high. And there's a trail. So there's a delay throw that happens. Now, the return of the delay throw should be quieter to where it kind of trails off to where it's not a delay and then slam shut. You want it to have a, a level off. And some of those are just up to the sound guy to figure out and learn what works best. But nevertheless, when I sing something and I'm done and then my hand comes away and I'm maybe put my hand in the air and they still hear it going on, they think, okay, his, I'm hearing him sing, I'm hearing the note, but he's not on the mic. That's gotta be lip synced. Right. I, I assure you, not that you don't believe me, but whoever's listening that might think that a hundred percent, there is no backing track on my voice of any kind when I'm doing these lead vocals and I'm singing what I'm singing, especially like the high stuff where where there'll be a trail because on a verse, you're you're not maybe at the end of a word there'll be a little delay or something, but overall, it's it's usually kind of pointed out on a higher thing. And, and they'll go to that. So I don't think that people are understanding reverb and also delay yeah. and what that means. But I mean, believe me, I'm pitchy. It's not, you know, it, it's never exactly the same. I will say on the Priest Tour was probably, I think from a consistency standpoint, I was probably night after night, the most consistent uh, that I've sang probably maybe since I've been in the band where, and again, that was only an hour show and we would, you know, they're not doing more than two in a row, I don't think. So, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes we've done, I mean, geez, I remember we toured Europe once and it was 21 shows in 23, 24 days. That's hard and then, work. And like one of them was the Vakken footage from 2015. That was like show number 12. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the first time we've ever played this. And this is multi badass camera angles. There's a hundred nine there's ninety thousand people out there. This is gonna live forever on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I was nervous that I wasn't gonna sing well. And that was show number twelve in a row. So it's like, come on, that's a little ridiculous. But nevertheless, um there are some people that so my my to answer your question, um I know that there are bands that will have live recorded vocals happening 
So they'll they'll take a great live performance and either tune it and tweak it and make it right or say it was just a good live performance. They'll use that as a backing track so it's not the re the record track. And then, oh, the guy's struggling here. We're going to blend the live with the real, and maybe this guy's riding back and forth. Or maybe somebody's cupping the mic because they don't want to get caught, and, and they're they're phoning it in. They're, they're making the face, and they're lip sync, but they're lip syncing. Yeah. And for me, look, there's a lot of pressure when you've got – a lot of money for a show that you're going to lose if your band doesn't perform. And if your singer can't sing, your band, you could have crippled an entire tour because you needed everything to work out for everybody to get paid what they were supposed to get paid with no cancellations. So that's a lot of pressure on bands, number one. Number two, I would rather sound like Barry White. Eyes of a stranger. And tell the audience, guys, I'm sick. I'm so sorry. I want to give you my best. Sing along with me and help me through this. We're going to have a great time, but you have to be, be aware. Now, if I'm just fucking shot and it's going to be harmful, we're going to cancel the show. And that's just the way it is. I would rather lose lose my ass and cancel, then phone it in and fake a live performance one time. And here's why. Number one, I have too much integrity. Number two, let's say you do that. And believe me, I know artists that would blow your mind that do this. But let's say that, let's say you do it. And then they get a little complacent. And then now it just becomes like, well, that was easy. Well, no shit. Right. You didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. But Let's say you did it one time, only once, only one time. And there's that one guy with that phone because there's a thousand of these yeah. in your face. And it and, and it goes, uh, you know, I don't. And you're not on the mic mm -hmm. and you go to sing and you're you're busted. Let's just say you're bold face busted. And you decide I'm never doing this again. That was humiliating. Every great performance before that, they will think was fake. Mm. And every great performance after that, they will think that you're lying and you're still doing it. So the, the legitimacy, even if you're 100% honest and you just did it the one time, they will think you're cheating every other time before and going forward and they won't believe you and you're a fucking fraud. Then there's other people that go, I mean, Halloween did it because I, Michael Kiske was was not feeling well and it was all over blabbermouth. And they said, you know, um, he admitted to using live. And now then there was like, well, he only did it in certain spots that may have been difficult. Nevertheless, the majority of the audience didn't give a shit. That's one of their favorite singers. They would they paid good money for the ticket. They would rather see somebody lip sync even parts of it than to not have it at all. And I'm thinking, wow, we used to crucify people like Millie Vanilli and other people that were busted on Saturday Night Live for lip syncing and blah, blah, blah. So for me, I do not, I do not use them. And people are confusing what a delay is and some of these effects that just make it better. It's like having a delay on your guitar. If you go, uh, you know, uh, like Pink Floyd, you still hear that, 
going, but is he's yeah. not picking, right. or is the audience going, he's not fucking playing that? Right. No, it's a delay, you dumbass. Right. And your voice is no different. It's like, hey, I, I can only do so much, and we rely on a, a megaphone sound like this, a telephone yeah. effect, or reverb, or something to slam shut, or a chorus effect, even tied, whatever you want to call it. There's a sure. lot of things that just enhance the overall performance to make it sound sonically better. But no, I don't do it. I understand that, that people, um, even the John Bon Jovi thing that we've all heard about, mm -hmm. where, oh, wow, he's really struggling. And I say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know his situation. And he's paying a lot of people probably good money that's paying for their mortgage and their kids and their families. And it's maybe for him, it's way bigger than his voice. This is he's employing people. And as long as people are willing to go there and, and watch this guy perform, good for him. He's very altruistic. He's a philanthropist. He does a lot of great things. And he's given his whole life to music. And the fact that he's not singing to your standards, now he should retire because, you know, yeah, you know. Get yeah, real, they're man. They're you know? making it be about them. and it's They're making not, it be about them. And, yeah. and, you know, stay home and watch, you know, old DVDs or VHS yeah. tapes, you know, whatever. But yeah, go look, home the, guy's, the, the guy's putting his all out there. Is he using tracks and certain spots? I don't know. I don't care. Right. For yeah. me, and look, I'm not I'm not getting a million dollars a show. I'm, you know, his guarantees are probably pretty sick. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, him canceling is a big deal. And oh, maybe yeah. it's all relative. But um, I don't, and I haven't, and I we've had to cancel before because I lost my voice, and I, I'm so sorry, guys. It's a, it's you feel the, all the burden is on you. Yeah. Right. It's a lot to take in and yeah, process and, and swallow. Right. You, you mean you know? Yeah. It's a handy. You feel handicapped. You know. You feel like you've let a bunch of people down just because. Oh I mean, yeah. And it has to be bad. I mean. It, as passionate as you are, as we are, yeah. uh, it has to be that fucking bad for you Cancel. to want to pull the pull the rug out from under the whole fucking show, it's, dude. Yeah. It's it's a horrible feeling when you have to make that decision, and and then you're hoping tomorrow's show will go on too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point, and I'm glad you're making it because I think a lot of people, when they hear that a band is canceling because the singer's lost his voice or the singer is sick or whatever, they don't really realize wh how hard that decision had to be to, to, to cancel because it's not just about you having a bad day. Everybody it's about else the truck too. driver, the, you know, the drummer, the roadie, the tech. Uh, I mean, everybody. Well, then, then, Dave, let's add to this. You've got people that have maybe come from out of town. Yeah. They've made lodging. They've paid for expenses for hotel. Yeah. Maybe they rented a car. Maybe they're they're out. Maybe they took the day off from work because they're yeah. going to make a weekend about it with their friends. Yep. So it's it's psychologically that's really hard. And yeah. then when you do go back the next day, this guy this guy couldn't even hit the notes, and you're like, <laughs> I. I, I want to uh, I'm glad you brought up Crimson Glory because I wanted to bring it up as well. But um, and just briefly as a as a point of reference, you know, a lot of people look at you and they they 
they look at you as stepping into Jeff Tate's shoes and doing an incredible job under impossible odds. But I would argue that you had to do that once before, and that was before Queensryche, and that was uh, Crimson Glory, because Midnight was no hack on the vocals either, and that band didn't have... Uh, the 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 mainstream reach and success as as Queensrÿche, of course, but um, I mean, you you stepped into some pretty crazy shoes before Queensrÿche came around too. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that experience really groomed helped groom me for uh, a bigger thing that was going to happen with you know it's like exponentially more criticism exponentially you know uh, uh just a bigger lens um and and uh the the criticism the critique the so by the time you know i was in that band for three years and and it was like you know midnight had passed away so it's kind of like well do you let the band die or can the band go on with somebody that the band feels is is worthy to to go into that position and try to continue the legacy and and possibly create new music and live live on right um most people again were were extremely supportive wow this guy sounds so much like midnight i mean if if you go on youtube and type in like um Crimson Glory um, in dark places. It's kind of like a cashmere, very cashmere-ish. And then you can listen to the original version and then listen to the version that I did. Granted, I, this was way back and I used like a shitty karaoke filter to strip that vocal channel. To I sang over top of it, essentially. It's not great. It's a little uh, swishy, but all of the nuances, dude, are, they're, 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 they're nailed. And it, it, damn near sounds almost exactly like the guy and purposefully like i went in and microscoped every little breath yeah and try i purposely wanted to not like well i'm gonna do it my way but with some similar it was like i want to see how close i can sound like this guy on purpose and 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 that's what i did um and that was met with very good reception when i got into Queensryche. Jeff Tate's still around. He's still performing. He's still doing things. And there's always that possibility. All right, well, they're going to get back together one day. It's going to be a reunion one day. And, and uh, you know, there, there's still some of that hope for those purists that, you know, thanks for what you've done, Todd, but we really want our original lineup back. And it's like, cool, like um, – I thought you were better with your ex-wife. And so you should kind of get back with her, even though it didn't work out. You know, I know you're happy with your new girl, but we all want you guys to get back together. Well, fuck, I guess I should get back together then. Right. I mean, it's just, this is like, this is how crazy it is. Right. Yeah. yeah, When I got in, that's how people fucking think. I know. Yeah. When I, when I got into Queensryche, I knew Okay, here it comes. This is going to be more than what I dealt with. but, And I still get it. I still get it. I still get it to this day. Like, oh, you know, that guy's, you know, nothing compared to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, that's cool, man. You you don't have to dig it. Right. You know, 
What was your, how, tell me about the first night that you stepped out as the singer for Queensryche, your very first gig in front of that audience. <laughs> I, I can just, I'm thinking you just got to have it be full of jitters, but wasn't it, wasn't it in Seattle? Like where there were, so, <laughs> no, so there were, two, there were two shows under the name rising West, rising West, which That's was, right. was all the guys my, minus Jeff. And we sold out two shows of the hard rock and people really loved it. When I, when I became the singer of Queensryche, ah. my first show, I, I really wasn't feeling well and I didn't sing very well. People still apparently liked it, but if I were to hear it, like I will, I will never listen to that show again. I, I don't even want to remember it happened, but I can Way remember, go, Dave. but I can remember <laughs> like, I can remember going when it was the rising West thing going, this is amazing. I'm in, I'm in the band with Scott Rockenfield and Eddie Jackson and Michael Wilton. And, and of course, DeGarmo had been gone for so long, but it was Parker Lundgren at the time on guitar. Mm -hmm. And this this is so cool. Like, I don't care what you call it. This is pretty much Queensryche to me. Yeah. And then there's always that little sliver that goes, but could you imagine to myself if it said Queensryche and I, I'm the guy under that name? Like I, I said, I know it's never going to happen. This was a side thing and just touring on a solo material. And when he's done with that, they're going to be Queensryche again. And like, I just need to enjoy this little moment for a second because it's, it's going to be done when, when they go back out again. And that didn't happen. So I remember I fell asleep on my couch and, and this is when I had cable TV. I don't use cable anymore. Um, and VH1 Classic was on. And I used to watch like that metal show. And, and I remember looking at the thing going, one day I'm going to be on your fucking show. Six months later, I was the singer at Queensryche and on that metal show with Dave Mustaine. But anyway. Rad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I fell asleep on my couch. And um, what do they call it? It was like, it was on VH1. It was like Metal Mania. That's what they call it. Metal Mania. And and I happened to wake up my eyes and I heard um, Jet City Woman happening, you know, and and I'm kind of like, oh, crack my eye a little bit and I see the video, the official video, and there and there's Eddie, and I'm looking and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this song, not thinking in reality, and I'm like, ah, I remember this song, and then I'm kind of dozing off and I wake up a little bit more and there's Michael Wilton and there's Scott and and I'm like I'm like I know I know those I know those guys like to myself I know those guys and I'm like I got their fucking phone number right and then yeah. and then it turns into holy crap like I sing in that band now wow and then all these videos would play and I'm like to myself who was just an upholsterer by trade, singing all this shit in my garage and in my car and in the shower. And you know, I wasn't in a band being a singer. I, I didn't want to be in a band as a singer. I was a drummer. Right. And so, but I would love singing to myself, you know, around by myself, singing all this stuff and kind of doing what I liked. And then, and I looked up to all these people like Jason and all these people that I grew up in when I was in high school, like I'm going to make it one day as a drummer. And these are the guys in these bands. So I'm seeing all these old videos and I'm like, I know that guy. Damn, I know that guy. I know that. And now like when stuff plays and you know, you're like, 
to somebody that's not in that scene, if they're like, hey, do you know that guy? You're like, yeah, I know him. You know, and then the next band comes on. And if uh, if you're if a buddy of yours would be like, all right, do you know them? And then I realized like, wow, I'm I'm kind of in this circle now. Like this is real. Yeah. This is real. And there are moments because you do get desensitized. There's a desensitization that happens when it just becomes your job. Right. Like yeah. like you you interview all these people and then you have buddies that are like, dude, I think what you do is so cool. Like you fucking know this guy and you know that guy. Right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. But you're not like geeked out anymore. You know, there might be that occasional person where you're like, OK, that was pretty awesome. Like I got to talk to Tony Iommi or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, there are right. those those things. But oh, yeah, when it's what you do and it just becomes part of your career now it's it's not that it's not special it doesn't resonate with you in that same way because now you're you're one of them yeah but what was cool for me was when i i felt like some of these artists that i've always admired maybe maybe viewed me as their peer and to me that was what was most special um not whether they thought i was good or not of course, if they thought I was good, that was even better. But if they recognized me as a peer mm-hmm. versus like, oh, who's this new face? I've never seen him before. He hasn't paid his dues like me. Well, believe me, I have. I've grinded it out in clubs for so many years and played on Monday nights to 20 people, tearing down my drums and working shitty jobs. And like, I, I've done it. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like I just walked into some gig and I, I never I never swept the floor. Like, believe right. me, I've swept the floors. Um, that was special to me, David and Jason was, um, wow, this guy is putting me, I think on like kind of a, an equal footing and, and how cool is that to me? That was like, um, um, a respect. Like I felt like that was very respectful. Um, and I was not really shunned or jaded or, or put us or not jaded, put that's the wrong word. I wasn't put aside or pushed away. Like you know, F you, dude, we don't, you know, we haven't known you. Who are you? You're like this outsider guy now that thinks he's a big deal in Queensryche. Right. And it's like, no, I, I actually don't. Like, I'm just in a band that I love and I'm trying to do a great job. And I'm honored that I get to partake in this stage with you guys, you know, and that's how I still feel. Well, if they're, if they're coming at you, like, who the fuck are you? They're not, they're coming off kind of assholeish by 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 way of they're not thinking about your journey they don't right. know your journey right they don't know how or what you did to yeah. to get the gig right yeah. um which i want to ask you about still sure. I, you know uh the the fact that um it's it's interesting that was this the first tour you've done with priest this leg this, this that leg was the first it? tour that I've done with it, Priest. You've yeah. done with we, Priest, right? Queen Drake toured with Priest before, but for me, it was a first. Right. I toured with Priest on the Painkiller tour. Oh, I saw that tour, by the way. Oh, uh, where was that? The, what what was venue? That um, I think I saw that tour in Lakeland. Yeah, you're right. Might have been right. Lakeland. I think yep. it was Lakeland or Tampa. Yeah. It was either Tampa or Lakeland. Uh, do you remember the old shed that we would have played at? You remember the name of it? 
in in the Tampa area, yeah. that would have been. Um, right now, I'm drawing a blank because no, it's not important. Through. It's probably called you know AOL Shed now. Yeah. It's probably called Smirnoff or something Dude, now. Something. But uh, any, anyway, so so I wanted to. Eventually, I was going to get to this. So, like my favorite guy in the whole world is Rob. Like I dream about the guy, and that that might sound funny to some, but it doesn't sound funny to me. Rob Halford, and, we're talking about. Yes, of course, of course. And if they don't know who we're talking about, they can. Well, I'll wait a second so they can leave the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because, okay, Rob Halford. Uh, I didn't know how to act. You know, if I ever saw him in the hallway or, I mean, yeah. literally there was, I've told this story on the show before about, uh, I even forget who we were talking to, but uh, about how I had to ask his assistant, just, you know, tug on his shirt like a little kid. Hey, do you think uh, Rob would mind? I may have even said Mr. Halford. <laughs> that's a, that's how that's terrible awesome. it was and, and i was like do you do you do you think that he would mind if i just like watched him from the side of the stage and he goes well let me ask him and i'm okay cool thank you you know and sheepishly backed off like you know gargoyle or waiter or something right and uh he uh i saw him in catering and he comes up to me he goes hey you're good. He said, uh, just come by tonight. Just, you know, right, or, right after like Hellbent for Leather or, you know, he said around this time. So that way we can, we can expect you. And yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I was by myself, you know, and I just went into his cave, you know, his yeah. changing room yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I was just like, I didn't say a word. It was like, you yeah. know, I'd saluted. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 my arms were, I kept you know. my arms in my my hands. Yeah, in not, my nothing to see here. I was just like, oh my god! I, you know, I'm standing six feet away from yeah. Well, what people would call the metal god, and I, I, you know, it was like, and then he he came back and he he saw me and he you know hey and that was it and like we did a whole run and and I I did I never really got to. Uh, emphasize i never got to pull the i'm not worthy you know the the, the wage yeah. world i never got to talk to the guy or have any converse yeah, like a real dialogue or anything, about yeah. about like just life or yeah yeah anything, style yeah. or yeah and i just i just want to give the guy a big hug you know and uh for everything that he's done for music oh period. yeah yeah uh, it's not about me and 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 it would would have been really special to me yeah. my question is this has there been i know he's one of your guys what was it like i mean were you able to like were you sitting next to him like palling <laughs> around playing pinball with him at midnight somewhere or was so, you know? so the first time i saw him we were going on stage and we're walking in the hallway of the arena. And there's all these wardrobe cases, you know, you know, they, yeah. the Judas Priest's wardrobe is insane. Just fucking case after case after case and organized gloves 
this, that, picks, goggles, everything, your glasses, there's everything. So we're, we're all walking and Rob it comes up to the doorway. He's at the doorway of his dressing room in a robe. And I think he had like, like, like a flip flops kind of shoe. I think he was wearing some kind of a, like, you know, he was the shower, like a casual yeah. type of shower, thing. Shower, shower shoes. He, he, all he had on was a robe. Slippers. Like, like a, yeah, like a terry cloth robe. Like he was getting ready to go take a shower or something. And he's like, gentlemen. And he had a drink in his hand. Like, I think it was a mug or something. And, I, and I'm sure it was and, tea. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hey. And, you know, hey, man. And we just walk. He's like, you know, have a good show or whatever he said. And that was it. And we turn the corner and I'm like, holy shit, dude, that was fucking rad. <laughs> like, there's Rob help. Not not all made up. To, he's in a robe. Yeah. Just standing <laughs> at the doorway, like zero Fs to give. And we went, did a thing. And then I'd see him in catering and I'm like, okay. And w I wouldn't bother him, never said anything. Yeah, if that I was saw my, that was I, my I, play too. If I, I, if I stayed I away him, from him kind of thing. If I saw him, I'd be like, I'd say, hey, Rob, you know? And then he was walking past me one time, me and our other guitar player. And he's like, he was chewing a bunch of food, you know? And he walks by, he's like, <laughs> he's like, what's up guys, you know, chewing. And he's like that. And then at some point, I, I was um, like vibrating with my wife on like a video call and I was walking to our dressing room and I turned the corner and he's standing right there talking with one of our guitar players. And, and I turned, I was like, yeah, babe. Okay. This and that and the other. And I turn, I go, I'm like, Oh, Hey, I go, Hey, how's it going? He's like, he's like, Hey Todd. Um, you know, every, everything good. I said, yeah, I go, hang on, babe. I go, yeah, everything's great. You know, um, thank you so much for having us on this tour. It really means a lot. Um, I think it's a great pairing because both bands go back a long ways and you have a history. And, uh, anyway, it really means a lot. This is a wonderful opportunity for me. I know that you've known the guys before, but this is a, a, a first for me. And, um, you know, he said, "If absolutely, if there's anything you guys, if there's anything you guys need, you just let me know." I said, "Okay," and um, I said, "And likewise, you know, if if there's," I said, "What's most important for me, Rob, is that we are on and off the deck exactly when we're supposed to be, and if there's any snags or if there's anything that needs addressing, obviously your crew will will let ours know." But from what I understand so far, um, things are working really efficiently. And thanks again for having us. And then so I said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm on a video call with my wife. I go, um, she didn't know who I was talking to. I go, can, I, can, you, can you say hey, hey to my wife real quick? So I turned the phone. He's like, he's like, hello. She's like, <laughs> she goes, she goes, hi, yeah. hi. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Blah blah blah. And then mm. he was like, "You should be out here and this and that." And you know. And so, when we were all done, she turned us. She goes, and, <laughs> yeah. and she doesn't act like that. I'm like, "It's right. Rob Halford." 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ron Alford. Like, come on. So you're allowed to act like that if it's you're allowed. Yeah. So yeah. She, she just thought, and I surprised her. She wasn't expecting. So it was like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, he was very, very kind. Um, we didn't really hang. Right. But I did talk quite a bit with Andy Sneap. We talked a lot oh, cool. throughout the yeah. tour and Richie Faulkner. Yeah. And Scott Travis, like I even, I go, dude, may I? Like we were talking about drum things. Yeah. So he said, yeah, go ahead, get on him. So I got on his kit and, cool. and I was like, hey, I go, all right. I I don't know exactly how it's played, but how's the Phil going painkiller where it's, you know, how does that go? Yeah, the turn. And he actually plays, you know, it's two on the hand, four on the feet. And so, um, we, he basically gave me a little lesson in in how he does it, and now I have it. But uh, he was really cool. Their crew was really cool. And um, so now we have another leg we're going out in October yeah. with them for another run. And I thought, man, because I figured this is never going to happen again. This is so cool. I always thought it would be badass if I could go out and sing Painkiller with them because it's one of the, the last songs in the main set. Then they come out and do like an encore. Yeah. At least on that run. And I'm like, you know, that would be sick, you know, like on stage with Rob Alford. Like I'm, I'm hoping that can still happen. But nevertheless, <laughs> their their stage is, is um, has all the, their staging in a round. So you can't watch from side stage. No. So the only way you can see their show, and ours do that too, but but the only way you can see their show is to go out and, and physically watch it. But, you know, he was very kind. He was very um, humble and just a sweet guy. Yeah. And, and I was very, very thankful, and I'll be sure to remind him again. And just to let you know, I'll show you guys something real quick. So I'm, I'm in my studio, but, like, I've got a bunch of my guitars and, I have yes, tons sir. of memorabilia, but this is kind of cool. This this is um at the end of a tour that we do, I usually try to get a pair of sticks or get something. So these were a pair of Scott's chewed up sticks. Oh nice. Cool. And then I got um and then I got this head sign. So there it says like, Hey Todd, Rob Halford. Oh, kick oh, ass. Nice. And there's like Ian Hill and I, I like collect sign drum heads and sticks and then of course i go to their text and i'm like hey dude you gotta set me up with some picks so i got like a shit ton of picks and Rat. and that and that's that part of you that goes that's man right. that like come on i'm yes that's i'm right, gonna man. i'm gonna collect something cool because yes. i've listened to this band my whole life and and look these are these are some of the last real pioneers and real a-list people Fuck. you're opening yeah. such a giant can of worms right yeah. now i know <laughs> i know and, yeah. and and you know we toured with the scorpions and did a whole we did a bunch oh. of shit with them and so i did the same thing i had um, i had i all the the signed things i got sticks for even klaus has drumstick he hits that cowbell oh yeah, yeah. So i got those i got James, when he was with them, I got Mickey D's yeah. stuff because he's a friend of all of ours. Oh, and yeah. And so, you know, there are some cool memorabilia things. This, this was a great poster 
that um hang on let me unplug this power cable there, this was a great poster that that they uh i had signed all in i don't know if you can see it it's in gold and it's all like a dark blue yeah. uh suede mat framing and matting like in museum glass for like reflection and all this kind of shit wow. so tour, i, tour I try to yeah i tried yeah i got uh tour well that was I don't know where I got that one, but uh, you know, there are certain things where you're like, okay, the scorpions, you know, uh, Judas Priest, you know, th there's just a little baby handful of these guys that are still alive or touring or doing anything. And I thought, you know what? The fact that, you know, I'm late in the game, but wow, what a really special thing that I get to I get to do this. Like you got to do that on a painkiller tour. Like that's just epic, you know? And uh, those are kind of those things that you take with you and you go, there were some real special highlights that I was able to do. And, uh, and you, you remember those. And then you, and then, you know, there are people that look up to you and go, man, look at that. This guy, he, he coaches me, you know, there's a, there's a you know, you're a big deal to these people. Like yeah. they're a big deal to us, and so you kind of pay that forward and and those yeah, lessons. Yeah, I love that. That's what, and you know what? That's when it's full circle, and then it means something. Because otherwise, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, that's when it means something. Yeah. Yep. I love that, man. I I love that you're 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 uh, not only afforded these opportunities, but you obviously appreciate them very much and. I, I do. Love the, I love the fact that you're you're smart enough to be professional, but you just can't help the teenager coming out sometimes. Hey, yeah. Because I'm the same way, you know. I get I get chances to do some cool stuff once yeah, in I'm a while. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at some stuff in the in the background, and I see an Aerosmith poster, and yeah, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've got all my my memorabilia, and, and there's stories behind all of it. But you know, and and Jason knows, uh, you know, you you try your best to just be cool and respectful and stay out of the way sure, and not bother sure. anybody. Absolutely. But man, I, I you know, and the, you know what, the day that the 15 year old inside of me dies, then I might as well just be dead too. <laughs> it's, pro it's probably like the one spark that we probably all still have. Um, you know, look, some people have degrees and that's great. You know, I don't have diplomas. I'm not a college graduate. I, I have records. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, these are cool, like, magazine covers that the band has made that I, I, I frame some special ones. And, you know, there's some records that I've done with the band. And I got old Crimson. I got some cool Crimson Glory posters in the nice, back yeah. from, from yeah. Greece and, you know, all over the place. And uh, those are, like, my credentials. It's like, that's that was... <laughs> that's that, that, that's, that's your, all I have to show. That's your, you know? that's your pedigree. No, you don't have it. degree. You have pedigree. That's great stuff. Yeah. Hey, we should so, talk real quick. Real quick. I, I definitely want to make mention of your solo record. Yes. Yep. Rejoice in suffering. In the suffering. Yeah. Uh, rejoice in the suffering. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, where can people get it? How does it? Compare and contrast to Queensryche, et cetera, et cetera. Just sure. I actually have summary. A, this is what the cover looks like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? 
and this is these are this is a signed copy that I actually take on tour with us, and so I I sell signed copies. I did a double vinyl. <laughs> this is what the vinyl looks like. This is a, a, a matted framed and matted one. Oh, that's um, nice. nice. But yeah. that's it's a real clean white vinyl. Um, it's the long story short. It was just something I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. And one of my, my childhood, well, since ninth, 10th grade, uh, this my friend Craig Blackwell, who's a killer musician, um, I just said, dude, we're gonna do this. Like I have a platform now where it, it will have some reach and we're gonna do the record that we always wanted to do back in the day so let's do it. And this was during the, the shutdown for COVID, you know, when mm -hmm. everything shut down. Yes, sir. And uh, and so um, we wrote and recorded that that uh, record in like four months from beginning to end. And I played all the drums on it and did all the vocals. And Craig did all the um, he did all of the guitars and bass. And it did really, really well. You know, I mean, I remember getting the first week numbers out. And of course, I was like, hey, if uh, if I can sell, you know, I mean, geez, a thousand copies at the most, I would have sure. been tickled pink, you know, and I did uh, almost 4,400 first week, which was wow. really surprising. That's great. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do some shows on it on my own yeah it's just trying to find the time but you know it's just, right. it's a, it's a very kind of more like what i would consider like a true metal it's it's more okay. like honestly it's more like fight it's more like a halford it's more stripped down yeah i heard some of it you're fucking killing it on the vocals on that man that's a that was that was like everything i had and all the things that i would do with my with my voice that um that I just don't do in, in Queensryche. And so yeah, you're, you're, you're showing your true metal voice, right? For sure. Yeah. You got yes. all the grit and ah, you're really kind of pulling your lips back yeah. over your teeth yeah. and yeah. letting that kind of tone come through an angrier sound as opposed it's a very, to the, it's the more um, melancholy. Yeah. It's definitely more, uh, metal. Yeah. Um, and you know, but you have songs like uh, crossroads to insanity, which is a ballad. Mm -hmm. A lot of bands don't really do anymore. Everything's just so one, you know, just heavy all the time. And it's like, man, you can you can be heavy and like not just this raging fast thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's like song... it's like those motherfuckers forgot about Black Sabbath, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like they just like yeah. you forgot yeah. what it is that you're doing this for in the first place. Bingo. And I just said, I don't care if if nobody likes it, it's okay this is what I'm going to do creatively. And I got to get this out. And, and I love the record. And I think it's a really solid album. There's three, uh, three bonus tracks, but it's, um, it was a lot of fun to make. And, uh, I actually have some other stuff that's more like melodic death, black metal, cool. um, that I played guitars on and like, it's in a demo form right now. So I'd like to put that out separately and then do like a proper follow-up to Rejoice in the Suffering in that same vein. 
So um, rejoice in the suffering, your solo stuff. They can get it from your website or Rat Pack right. Records. Yeah, or... they can go to Rat Pack Records. Okay. Um, I think you can buy it on Amazon. Right. Um, also on my website, which is just toddlatory.com, mm -hmm. I do have um, some bundles. So there's vinyl, there's like picks, there's, um, I even made cassettes. Cool. So for like, for like the old school kind of collector there's there's like legit cassettes which i i think i like that more than anything um and so yeah it's that's that's where you can get it um and uh you know it's it's been a lot of fun and 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 even like i have t merch t-shirts i'll send you guys some shirts but nice. uh they uh you know, some uh, at Queensryche shows, like I'll see somebody usually with my album shirt on and I'll be nice. like, hey, thanks, man. And, uh -huh. and uh, the band digs it like they've been fully supportive of of that solo record and me selling a couple items at our merch booth. Like it's, not, you know, yeah, everybody's sure. really cool about it. And there's no like that's the best. So, that was going to be awesome. my next like go into no, like Mike, like the guys heard it and they're like, they like like it and. Michael was playing it at his house, like in his big stereo, the vinyl, and uh, cool. And and also, you know, it it allowed me to do um, allowed me to get purge and get that out to where I don't feel like that, as compelled if there was a compulsion, but less compelled to try to want to infuse some of this other shit on Queensrÿche. It's like yeah. no, no, no. I, I nice. got to get all that out. And, They're and letting you scratch that itch. And it's a healthy out. That was very, some, some very well said. Some other bosses. I know they're not your bosses, but you no, know but what I, I know mean. What you some mean. other, yeah, some yeah. other, uh, some of the other faculty mm -hmm. would be upset if there's you know extra curriculum going on. So yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah. And I, look, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know. I mean, most of these really big, big bands, like the side solo thing's not going to be bigger than that band. It's just, you say, it's it's another outlet. Like, you've got to be able to express yourself and do other things. That I don't think bands should get pissy about that. And Queensryche is super supportive and they're cool about all that. You know, the more you, the more you go into just, you know, these different, uh, avenues that you have uh and you know just where where you were and where you are you seem to have have stayed real grounded and that's that's attractive and the uh you know i i was i was going to bring up kind of something that we've actually talked quite a bit about on the talk louder podcast we actually did an episode called replacement singers okay and you know it's it's been happening since the dawn of rock you know yeah. and someone has to do the job and there has to be a reason a legitimate reason why either the band can't work with that singer anymore or they fucking died Mm -hmm. So they have to keep working. They want to be creative or it's yeah. like this new way of doing yeah. things for a great reason and a great cause. <clears throat> yeah. You can find all of these um, legitimate, positive journeys happening from the day that 
the new guy comes in. And yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't. I know Dave understands it as well. I mean, if, you know, the Van Halen thing, the back and forth thing about the Van Halen thing, that, that seemed confusing and maybe unfortunate. I think it was a good idea for Roth to come back, but it wasn't the same Van Halen. Aesthetically, but not his voice, his attitude towards what Van Halen used to be. Yeah. I think people wanted it to be. I know I did. I want, oh man, it's, hey, we're getting the band back together. It can never yeah. be like that again. Even when you get, yeah. you know, the crazy new David Lee Roth as opposed to the old crazy David Lee Roth, which is what everyone thought they were getting. And it's right. like, wow, something's different. Oh, he's really crazy now. Okay, I get it. Um, enough about that. I just wanted to get your your feelings, and maybe you took a lot of guff and are still taking some hits for that shit. And that has to, you have to have the right frame of mind to be able to wear those shoes yeah. and take the shit. You know, mm -hmm. as well as uh, as do your job and do it well and have it yeah. fresh and fun for yeah. the guys that are that are that you're on that you're fronting right. for the for the guys <clears throat> that form the fucking thing and here you right. are. Right. It's like holy shit! I have to create this, yeah, my thing, but make it a ghost. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, somehow in a in the right way for everyone to be happy. Right. Well, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of pressure. And un unless yeah. it's not a lot of, unless you don't let it become that way, your feelings. First of all, you're not going to make everybody happy. No, that's, that's the first thing. Once you can accept that, that's number one. Number two, you have to also accept you're, you are never the original guy. You're always going to be the new guy. I'll be in the band 20 years and they'll be like, Oh, that's the new guy. I'm, I'm never. Okay. I'm not yeah. the original guy. I get yeah. it. I know I know my role in the band. I know what my job is to do. Yeah. Um but I think that if people are honest and they understand, it's like it's a double-edged sword. It's like but you it doesn't sound anything like him. Okay, well I'm damned for that. This guy sounds exactly like him. He's just a clone mimic and wannabe. And you're damned for that. And yeah. I'm damned for that. So <laughs> what I think I have good ears and when I believe that something is good, it doesn't matter what anybody said. Sounds like shit. It really doesn't. I'm just not that guy. Look, you could, I could put original recordings. We were talking about the tape thing as an experiment. I would never do it, but just for conversation, it would be fun and fun and funny. If you had, I could lip sync to that guy's voice to his voice and people would say I wasn't as good and I'd say well that, that's actually because, because they're seeing actually, you and that's not actually, him yeah, you're actually insulting because, Jeff yeah, because I'm not I'm not that person but I think that and the interesting thing is the people that are really doing the criticizing and I don't mean constructive criticism yeah I mean just criticism just yeah. to be mean yeah these are not professional musicians out there doing it. These are people that are either jealous or 
their dream didn't come true, their thing didn't come, whatever, or they're so passionate about the original lineup and those those good old days that we love too. Sure. That they just can't get past that purist mentality. Let me interrupt for a second. The, and it, and it, it, the it last, doesn't really. The last few things that you just said. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like you are almost coming from the same place that they are when they're bitching about it. Like you're, you can understand, you understand what they're I do. That's complaining the, well, that's about. That's the thing is, is look, I was a fan on the other side of that barricade too. Exactly. So I, I have a very unique perspective. Yes. But, but also, um, there, there takes a certain amount of, dare I say, cockiness or i don't know if arrogance is the right word there takes a certain amount of arrogance and cockiness to just be able to do what you what we do never mind being a replacement kind of position but you are putting your passion you're putting your your creativity you're putting all of this stuff out there for the world to hear and see with cell phones that can't be edited back in the day you would see footage and it was all controlled by the band and management and the label and what the what the audience got could have been overdubs could have been it all was all cleaned up and corrected for a product now the live performance is the live performance and if you sh suck that night the world's gonna see it uh, it's really about how good are you live i mean we can all be great and do a thousand takes in the studio but if you can't if you just suck live people are gonna know it um so I think there does there there has to be a certain amount of cockiness, which I I I am, to to be able to have that vulnerability exposed, knowing that just by sheer statistics, people are going to sling mud. They're going to say hateful, hurtful yes, things. They are. They're going to say awful things, and 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 the people that know, know. And the people that mm -hmm. just want to be jerks, they can say, you know, great. Like some people can say, great singer, but it's not Queensryche. They're fucking insulting okay. the guys in your band. They're insulting the founding member. It's like, so it's like, well, do you watch that football team? That's not the same quarterback that there was 15 years ago. Is that is that not the is that not the Patriots? I mean, you could say a band is maybe a little different because because it's, you know, you grow up with these certain number of people for so many years and there's this personal attachment that people can have. I get that. But if you just critique it on the merits of its own art and you take away the biases, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that uh, that we sound shitty or that I'm that I sound bad or that I'm not doing a good job or a great job. I think that um, my first obligation is to make the guys in the band that I'm with proud and happy. And if I have, if, if they're all good and we're all good, I'm not so much worried about the audience. But then there's that X factor where you have the Van Halen situation with like Gary Sharon or you have the John Karabi who did a killer job with crew. You have mm -hmm. these other situations where everything else can be firing just right and and it should work. But for whatever reason, it didn't go more than say a record or the audience just 
again, for some unknown reason, it just didn't resonate with them in a way that's going to have longevity. I've right. been in the band for 10 years. Queensryche has gotten opportunities that we haven't, that the band didn't have either at all or, or for many, 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 many years prior to me joining, like Vakken, for example. Queensryche never played Vakken Festival in Germany before I was in the band, which I was shocked. I thought for sure they would have, but they didn't. And I would like to think that they liked what the band was doing. And, and, and there's also that thing of, hey, you know, this isn't that this isn't the original guy but i think if you sing with passion and you put your heart and soul into it and you're doing a good job um if people are honest with themselves they will probably concur and i think the majority has and oh, yeah. and and we're all very thankful and look i like coca-cola over pepsi it doesn't mean pepsi is a bad product it just doesn't sit with me the way that coca-cola does so it's okay you know you're not yeah. gonna please everybody and that's just that's art um one one last thing they're forgetting yep. too is yep. like they have to they have to they being the band you know whoever yeah. has final decision on who's gonna fill these front man's shoes yeah uh dude you got to be able to write lyrics. Not only you got to be able to sing and do the old yeah. material as well. You got to be able, be able to write. write. Yeah. You got to be able to write. Yeah. And and so the shoes are bigger than people's eyes know because they don't know. Especially if they're just a fan. What if they're not a musician or a writer or even in any kind of production at all? Yeah. And they're just yeah. going to a concert. Oh, it's not Jeff Tate. Fuck this guy. You know. And they're like oh, they're it's... insulting the whole band. They're insulting the the everything yes. about. Yeah, they're, they're it, insulting themselves. It's like um, a tattoo artist, right? That can just go over a stencil, like flash work, and then there are like real guys that can draw and free. Like they can create what you want instead of just finding it out of the book. They're able, like troubleshooting. Like this guy's a great mechanic, and you're like. Well, is he a parts changer or is he a troubleshooter who, who understands how everything works? And this guy can troubleshoot when it's pulling a, an error on a code and it's saying this is what's wrong. And he knows how to diagnose beyond that. He knows how. To, so, yeah, this guy sings great, but he's a jerk and we just don't like him as a person. That's a problem. This yeah. guy's a great singer and he's a nice guy, but he cannot write a melody or lyrics that are what we're about. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, so I I can write, I do write. Not only that, I'm I'm also a very integral part of of um video concepts, video helping with all video direction and things like that as well. I'm also a part of the album artwork. So, I mean, even though I'm just, if I'm off the stage, I'm in constant phone calls with the band and management going over staging ideas, concepts, risers, scrims, artwork, um, a, a, everything that would involve pretty much that artistic part of the business. Um, they have pretty much from the beginning um, let me be a part of that to where we're equals we're all equals and um nothing that i i can say will be 
just shelved or dismissed or not considered at least. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So I feel I, not only am I in a band that I love, um, but I'm also afforded and granted such freedom to where I don't think there would be many bands with the legacy that Queensryche has um, where they could have such flexibility and freedom in so many ways that they have afforded me. And that's just made me respect them more as people, which then helps with the songwriting. It helps with the banter on stage. It helps with, you know, the smiles on stage or, you know, uh, what all of those little things that people just don't see. Um, that dynamic is, is so important because if you're just a hired gun, just be a robot, sing the song, you don't have jack shit to say about artwork, about direction, about anything. You could build up resentment. You could just view it as just the job. And that's my gig. And I only get paid to sing and nothing more. But I do have investment in so many other ways that it, it means something more to me. Of course. That, that, that makes your story even that much better. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would take your story at face value and just go, yep, sign me up. I can be the new singer for Queensryche. That's a dream come true. I'm done right there. That's awesome. And you the, know, fact and, that, the fact that you get to do that and, oh, yeah. you know, you're heard and you, you contribute creatively and you're yeah. part of the chemistry of the band. Yeah. That makes it, I mean, dude, that's, that's icing on the cake that a lot of people don't ever get. It, I agree. And, and the other thing, too, is I'm a backseat driver. You know, I'm I wouldn't say I don't I don't want to say I'm a control freak. I, I am. I'm controlling when it comes to um, I, I would like to be heard and considered if the consensus shoots my idea down. That's fine. But if I really believe in it, I will I will fight tooth and nail. And, 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 you know, justify why I believe it's a good idea. And again, at the end of the day, if it gets shot down, it gets shot down. And I, I'm man enough to accept that. I'm not going to get everything. Right. But I'm not a guy that's going to let this band get walked on or be disrespected. Um, you know, I remember there was a promoter once. We did it on a tour. And the guy was having trouble uh, with some money. And I remember I got in the guy's face and I said, get off your effing ass and you're going to go right now and you're going to pay this opening band their money. And we're not setting up one. We're not cracking the trailer until they get paid and you can go F yourself. And I don't give a shit who you are or who you think you are and blah, blah. I mean, I was just like, we're not, this isn't a game to us, dude. This is our business and our livelihoods. And I will be the first one to stand up on behalf, you know, of the band if if I think somebody's trying to put one over on us. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And uh, you know, I'm a, like a little pit bull when it comes to stuff like that. I, I will call you out on your shit, and we can do this because I I, I don't need it. Um, and uh man if i get into a scuffle on the mountain i'm looking for you dude but but the thing is but the thing is is like what's most important to me also is the disposition that queensrake has as an organization that our camp should something go wrong you're tired you didn't eat you slept like crap 
and maybe there's some stage issues and you're starting to see tempers get a little heated. We've all seen that. Um, we are really good at, um, hey, I know this is messed up, but we're not going to go off the handle. This, that, that, thing I, that thing I told you about, that was me direct with a promoter. But, like, that was an isolated incident. But just saying, like, hey, you know, get out of my way. And who do you think you are? This is not right. You know, I will step up and, and kind of, like, even if I shouldn't, I, I kind of am, am that way. I'm not just, like, going to be quiet in the corner. That's not how I am. Right. But, but um, you know, we're also very mindful of, hey, we're playing with this band. We're playing with this band. If, if there's a miscommunication between striking floor monitors or – what a certain band might want or what, you know, that we're all very professional. And, uh, and I think that that's another reason perhaps why we're back out with priest again is they've made it very clear. You have X amount of minutes to clear the deck and that's it. So you can put whatever you want on stage, but it has to be gone on time. And, you know, we were even ahead of the schedule and was like, yes, you know, to the point where their, their, their man, their stage manager, um, who's this big teddy bear of a guy, you know, um, you know, we would end up, you know, razzing each other. He would, he would get ready to call the house lights, you know, and I, and I would, you know, flick him and flick him in the ass or yeah, I'd kick him or I, you know, we would <clears throat> like mess with it to the point where we were like, we were, it was such a great camaraderie yeah. with, with their people and our people. And, and again, it's that human factor. Um, and people are really buying you. They're, they're, they're buying you. Uh, and your music almost kind of can become secondary because the, that's what the relationships are about, right? When you buy a car, you can go to any dealer you want. And, and somebody might get – I would rather go to a restaurant where the quality of the food is a little bit less, but, man, they treat me great when I'm in than a very high-end place that costs a lot of money and the service sucks. You're paying, I would rather pay for great service. So in the same way, our, our public, re, public relations, whether it's just something like this, where we're just dudes hanging out, or something more in a management position or on tour with a stagehand thing, I always try to thank the locals when it's late and the riggers that are bailing and our bus calls at 2 a.m. and they're just leaving the venue and everyone's sound asleep in their beds. Hey, guys, thanks for such a, a great job. Or the security person that doesn't let anybody past a certain point in, in the bowels of the arena or in a yeah. nightclub. In a nightclub, they've been sitting there all day. Hey, man, can I make you a sandwich? Can I get you a coffee? And they're like, no, no. I'm like, bullshit. What do you, what do you want? I know you're hungry. I know you can't leave this post. And I'll go back there and I'll make them a sandwich or a cup of coffee. And you know what I mean? Like, to me, that's just, I wish more people were just cooler that way because we're all there working a job, whether it's the guy cleaning the bar or sweeping the floor, taking the garbage out or the band playing, you know, we're the guys on stage that get the recognition, but it's everybody else that hooked this crap up. Yeah. And made this show yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what's important. Everyone's part of the show. Yeah. Bingo. Not, ju not just you. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Todd, uh, Todd we, we could, yeah, we could talk to you for eight more hours. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hey, but, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. I hope I didn't 
talk too much? Not oh, at all. No, man. Okay. No way. All right. I really enjoyed getting to know you. I appreciate your time and, and all your great stories. And uh, I wish you continued success uh, with you, Queensryche and on the, uh, the new album, Digital Noise Alliance, due out in October. Yep. And a second leg of the Judas Priest tour. That's just amazing. I saw the tour. Jason saw the tour. Cool. It's, it was totally worth spending your money and going to check it out. Queen and Rick anyone out there job. who missed it, you fucked up. But you got yeah. a second chance. You get a second chance. And I know you're coming back to Texas. Uh, yeah. You're not coming yeah. to Austin, but you're in San Antonio for two nights in San Antonio. That's how much San Antonio oh, was it loves. two nights there? Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. San Antonio loves Judas Priest. I have an Queen's uncle that lives in San Antonio. Really? Oh, well, yeah, there you so go. I'll, I'll get to see him you'll get yeah you guys time. come on out like we'll we'll be in touch and yeah. we'll make sure we get maybe we'll go grab lunch or, or a dinner or something that sounds Man, great that would be great yeah let's do it and and todd again uh i i i've really enjoyed the conversation today the thing i i started this conversation uh, started this episode just thinking, man, this is going to be great. Just picking the the brain of a guy who stepped into a really great gig and is doing a good job. But now that I've spent some time with you, I got to say, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, man. You're you're Thank a you really cool, much. down to earth dude, Thanks, and I really man. appreciate your humility and uh, Thank you. and the fact that you appreciate what you what you've got and you've earned it. So congratulations Thank to you, man. I'm I'm trying, and and it means a lot. Your words uh, matter to me. And, and I thank you guys for the opportunity and and uh, to be on your 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 show here and much success with that. And if there's other people that you want to uh, reach out to, you know, I can I'd certainly love to put the put the word out to them to get on your show, too, because it's 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 a great uh, atmosphere. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, it's just a chill time. Yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah. We would love to talk to any of the guys in your band. So sure. just keep it. It's And we're not in any kind of hurry. There's yeah, a, yeah. Maybe we can do like a half hour with one of you guys when it gets closer to the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Cool. That would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, not a problem. We can make that happen. Awesome. Well, cool, Todd. We'll all let right, you go guys. for today. Thank you so cool. much for all your time. On behalf yeah. of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Todd Latore from Queensryche on Thank the Talk you guys. Podcast.